What's happening, you fat bastards? This is Mike. And this is Jim. And you're listening to Podcast Croissant. What's up? Why did that stop being a thing? I don't know. It should keep going, much like the uh, the three mics being a thing. Uh, mm-hmm. No, four mics. Me doing the... Oh, I like the three. But the, the the doing the intro as well just feels so much more right coming from me. Mm, yeah. Hey! Like that last episode. Hey! Yep. Hey, what <laughs> yep. do you call a drummer that breaks up with his girlfriend? I don't know. Homeless! <laughs> <laughs> oh, drummer jokes. That's apt. Yep. I get it. Mm. Nice. How do you know when a drummer's at the door? His knocking's out of time. Oh, the knocking speed's up. Yeah. I'd just like to start by thanking all those that have sent cash donations to Podcast Croissant. Uh, So far, I've used the money to buy a pony for the kids. Oh, nice. Did you set this up without me knowing? Yep. (laughs) I haven't seen anything. I've got quite a bit in so far. (laughs) Me and Mr. John are going on holiday next week. Oh, it's all right for some. Yep. Wow, well, so much crazy stuff's happened since we last recorded. Uh, Rage Against Machine were replaced at Leeds and Reading Festival by the 1975. What the fuck? Uh, Nicki Minaj won uh, Lifetime Music Awards at the VMAs and thanked Pedo Michael Jackson. What the fuck? Uh, And the world is in mourning as we grieve for the death of an international treasure, a beloved figurehead for generations. Eddie Munson died, dude. I got to the end of uh, Stranger Things and Eddie Munson died. Can't believe it. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Well well played. Yeah. You said the whole world's in mourning. I'm like, yeah, it's morning for you. It's my evening. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Did you see that TikTok presenter that tried to cancel Metallica? Oh, yeah. Because of Stranger Things. Yeah. Because obviously Stranger Things made them um, accessible to a, a whole new generation of, of young kids, what they call them. Yeah. Are they the, mille- the millennials or the, millennials, the TikTokers, yeah, like right? Yeah, yeah. They tried to cancel Metallica, didn't they? Because back in the day, there was one picture of um, James Etfield doing a um, a Nazi salute. Yeah, they're both being dicks in a hallway and yeah, they look about 19 years old and yeah. probably just fucking around. And when that's the end of Metallica. We're no longer... We won't hear from those guys again, unfortunately. It's the Queen's funeral. I'm being mm. very disrespectful. And while Mrs. Brown sat watching the Queen's funeral happening in real time right now, um, I'm talking to you, recording a podcast. I did watch a little bit. I watched the start. They're on. They were onto the hymns now, and they're onto the. Mm. Uh, yeah. It's just a room full of uh, murderers, thieves, and paedophiles, really, isn't it? So. And the Australian Prime Minister. He's a good guy. Yeah. yeah. What about Jacinda uh, Thingy? She's all right, isn't she? Who? She's there. Oh, Jacinda Ardern. Yeah. She's falling out of favour at the moment. I'm not. I'm oh, not she? really in touch. But yeah, she's uh, a little displeasing mm. for any any New Zealand listeners out there. Shout out to you. Love to have you on the show. What you uh, been up to uh, since we last talked? Uh, um. Oh shit. I, don't, I haven't even thought about it because I just thought the, the the Queen thing. The Queen thing's on mm. on 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 right now. I was just well, watching we spoke a bit about of that. that. We can um, forget about that now. Well, I went away <laughs> camping for a few God. days. To oh, yeah. Had- Hadrian's Wall. I'm not going camping again. I didn't enjoy camping. But we went on a hike across Hadrian's Wall to see the tree from the first scene in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Are you saying Are you saying Adrian's Wall is in Adrian Hart? Yeah, not, not Adrian it's Hart's Wall. No. No? No. <laughs> the, the author of Small Victories. No, he doesn't yeah, have he his own ha- wall. He doesn't have a wall? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's an ancient wall built by the English to keep people like 
dinky Mr. John out of the country. It's, it's in one of the early scenes in the film. Wait a second, which film did you say? Uh, Robin Hood, Prince Thieves. Ah, okay, cool. All right. For some reason in my head, I had Braveheart, and I was like, that wasn't no, Kevin no, Costner, no. no, but you did say no. that. Yep. Uh, I won't recommend the hike, though, because it's up steep hills, avoiding big piles of sheep shit and covered mm-hmm. in hundreds, thousands of flies. Great film, though. Brian Adams, Everything I Do, one of my guilty pleasures. Oh, that was my favourite song when it came out at the time. Dude, I honestly can't think. How long has it been since we did the last episode? It's been a couple of months. I was a little bit slow. Six, six months. The editing yet again, earning those Patreon dollars. Mm-hmm. Yep, been ruling in. I don't know whether you can see on camera, but I'm wearing a few uh, gold chains. Should we do some housekeeping? I do ha- yeah, I do have some fun stuff going on, but I'll say that for the end of the episode, when we get to the uh, the fun talk of the, the new... Let's do some housekeeping then. Okay. Right, last episode, I promised our listeners that I would reveal the quotes I received from my said Fred and um, Trace Brooms, but I never did. We never got around to that. So in this new section of the show, you won't believe what Trace Bruins said to right said Fred. Here are my <laughs> here are the quotes. If you didn't listen to the last episode or you don't know what the hell I'm talking about. So I asked a group of people, a quite big group of people, to send me a quote that I could publish regarding Angel Dust and the 30th anniversary. And only two people got back to me. And they were Trey and Rice Head Fred. So here's the Trey quote. Hi, Jim. You can either use all of this or none of it. No editing, please. (laughs) So he says, I detest 90s music. I did back then and I do even more now. You can tell me there's no justice when a song like Everything's Ruined, Elton John worthy in every way, didn't rocket up the charts. And why not? Because it wasn't rap metal, grunge, jangly alternative, new metal. Seriously, fuck the 90s. That's huh. his quote. All right. Thanks, Trey. Thanks, Trey. Good to have you on I'll the show. you on the show. Yeah, and quote from Right Said Fred, um, the fair Brass Brothers. Angel Dust is a top draw rock album. Great for working out to in the gym. Our personal favourites are RV and A Small Victory. Thanks to Right Said Fred there. Love to have you on the show. All right. Not too sexy for a quote. You know, I just made the mistake of just while you were reading that, just having a little bit of this um, little chewy bar, mm. little healthy thing. And now I've got this. I'm not going to do that again. Are your teeth locked together at the back? The lip smacking little bits. So that that was mm. a mistake. Yep. Big mistake. Now, last episode, Laura Lanzamaki said uh, there were similarities between World Is Yours and Death March. Yep, did she you did. Hear the little, did you hear the little yep, mix? Yeah, I, I had that afterwards, that? and yep, I had to agree that she's right. And she made us look like fools. That was, the, I did very little to blend those together. I grabbed the end of the intro to World Is Yours and then dropped in the verse to Death March, mm. did a tiny little crossfade, and it. I was surprised how well that sort of blended. So, yeah. It was good. I enjoyed that bit. That might be my favourite part from last episode. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, no, my favourite part, which I feel like could be your housekeeping in a moment. I've got some more housekeeping. You are right. Yep. yep. I know. Yep. Shall I do it now? Do it. Okay. So in last episode, we spoke and we were talking over the hanging on NTV footage from the Angel Dust tour. And I, it was me, I spotted what I thought was Dementor in the background, uh, mocking the presenters um, just stood in the back. So I sent Dean a message and he said he has confirmed it 
is him mimicking the presenters, mocking the presenters. That is him. That is Dean Mentor. He is, he has confirmed it. So thanks, Dean. Love to have you on the show. Amazing. I, I think you sent me a little screenshot or something of what he wrote back. Because didn't you send him an actual? You, you took a yeah. screenshot of that moment and sent it to him and said, "Hey, is this you?" And he just he wrote back a really simple like, "Haha, yeah, it is" or something. Yep, yep, he did. That's fun. Yeah. I think it was his birthday last month as well. Uh, oh, no, it was July. So I don't even need to mention that. Yeah. Well, still, happy birthday, Dean Mentor. Love to have you on the show. Good stuff. This podcast, it reveals new things that people didn't know about Faith No More. That's why we're here. That's why people pay me and Miss John lots of money to listen to these uh, recordings. <laughs> it's just the gift that keeps on giving. Yep. Well, in a, in a time where it's all, well, you know, there's a little bit of news coming up, I know. But in a time that's slow in the Faith No More world, it's nice to have... Something to speak about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, I, 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 my, my last little bit of housekeeping isn't nearly as exciting as that bit about Dean Mentor. I just wanted to mention that I went back and checked out a little bit of, uh, we were talking about Yum and Tucker I, the Boredom's, the Boredom singer. Yeah. And uh, we were talking about the transformation of Mike Patton between the real thing and you brought it up about the transformation following the real thing and then Patton's stage performance in the Angel Dust era. Hmm. And uh, if you check out any Boredoms or Yamantaka Eye from that sort of early 90s period, there's um, a particularly cool little performance of John Zorn and Naked City with uh, Yamantaka mm-hmm. Eye on stage with them doing a little set. Mm-hmm. That's from 92, so that's, you know, right around Angel Dust. Some real pattern similarities. I've heard it before. Yeah, Mr. John was, you know, said it last episode and I have heard it before. I've just... Never got around to checking mm. him out. Well, yeah, I went you down did. a little, yeah, went down a little boredom's rabbit hole, and um, it was good. It was interesting to watch. I mean, you could just see that. I mean, I've, I've heard people say it before, but yeah, I, I do kind of feel like at some point Patton must have uh, caught a little bit of boredom's and went, "Oh, I'm into this." And I don't know. You just it just kind of looks like there's a little bit of influence that might have transferred there. Well, it works well with today's episode. Going from the Bordoms to Mike Borden. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Podcast Croissant, the Faith No More podcast. You're listening to episode 39, all about Mike Borden. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and write us an email, podcastcroissant at gmail.com. Mr. John here with your SoCal Media Nightmares. Uh, Thanks for making comments on our Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. You never know how much that enhances our lives. Yeah, I posted a picture on the Instagram of Bert and Ernie with ridiculous hats on just for lols saying Mike and Jim have recorded the latest episode. Yeah, and King2346145 says promote it on Reality Records. No, um, King234615 we're never ever going to do that um, because you're a fucking spammer and I hope you die in a car crash. Next up, we've got a nice picture of the uh, Conan music cover, which I stuck on there and just recommended that from a fan, Laura, in the last episodes. We put the Conan thing out there and said, hey, check this record out. The song Evidence of Immortality came up and Eight Foot Man Child says, Caveman Battle Doom, as the kids say. Love and riffs from EFM. Thanks, Eight Foot Man Child. I think I sent them some nice croissants. Um, yeah, they said they'd say 17 croissants, but they're British. Conan are British, so they might prefer crumpets to croissants. That's very accurate, but we're not re- 
renaming the podcast to Podcast Crumpet because that would just give the wrong idea, you know, because Podcast Croissant is so relevant. Also posted a picture of Mike Borden saying we'll be talking about him in the next episode. We got a lot of love for that, a lot of chat. For some reason, people use this hand symbol emoji, like two hands together with something in between. I'm not sure what it is. It's like two hands holding some anal beads, possibly a reference to our sexual fetish part of the show. But Stephen W. did say, being good, it gets you stuff, which is a wonderful quote from Cuckoo for Kaka, which I'm sure you'll all agree is our favourite song right now this minute and it's not anymore okay i also posted another picture of mike borden but no one commented on that weird some pictures of mike borden yes others no that's our instagram let's go over to twitter again we posted the picture of uh, mike borden sitting cross-legged on his i think it's his drum kit and rob garden we all know rob garden he's at disco volante on twitter the dude has a strong aversion to shoes this interview's a good one and he's put a little behind the scenes of another body murdered video which is quite fun so check that link out again that's on our twitter and reply to the picture of mike borden and sick and tired which i believe is a um, portmanteau says i'd love to hear about his millionaire episode well you never know mike and jim may have already discussed that i'm not party to that information because they've shunned me into my innocence cave once more but it's okay i prefer it in here because they both smell of crisps or chips if you're american let's uh look at some facebook comments this is going well so some good comments on the Hanging With MTV post we put on Facebook. Uh, Laura, of course, said we forgot to post the link to the YouTube video. Now, we thought she meant the Conan YouTube video that she was in, so that video. So we posted that um, after I replied, oh, shit, fuck, we're all going to die. Oh, shit, oh, my God, what the fuck? But, um, yeah, it was actually meant the Hanging With MTV video. Luckily, Faith No More followers chucked it up there as well, so that's present if anyone wants it. Uh, Payne Gunner said, MTV RIP. Yeah, exactly, Payne, you're absolutely right. They're not even music television anymore. They're teeny, whiny, soap opera pregnancy television. Okay, so the last episode, confession time, we did a couple of takes because we had some technical problems. This this happens when you're doing a podcast, just this fact of life. And this is when Jim and I, for some reason, discovered that Mike Hayes can do an amazing impression of Droopy. So we just spent the whole time getting him to record stuff or say stuff as Droopy. And he did it perfectly every time, bless him. He's got an amazing range of voices, great, great vocal. So uh, yeah, there's a little reference to that on the Conan link video. And again, just some more positive comments about that, uh, Mike Borden. So people have said he's a fucking beast, that was Benjamin. Garland, thanks for that. I'm not sure we'd say beast about Mike Borden, but if you want to use that, that's absolutely fine. John Boy Patton says, I've touched those dreads in 1995 when I pressed him on it. Um, why are you touching people's hair? I mean, you know, that's a weird one. I know that. Why do people do that? Can I touch your hair? No. I mean, no one ever wants to touch mine, because it's in a bag. Ab Wright said, finally sent a follow-up email after three years. Couldn't say no to talking about Borden. I mean, you mean Mike and not Anthony. Uh, yeah, Ma'ab, I mean, you know, we love hearing from you every three years. So, speak to you again in 2025, I guess. Yeah, nice one. Ben Cunningham said, being good gets you stuff. Yes, that's right, Ben, that happens. That does happen, as we mentioned. Kieran Murphy said, legend about Mike Borden. Kieran also has a picture of them with Mike Borden. Um, the thing about the, the word legend, Kieran, is, is you're suggesting that Mike Borden doesn't exist and it's kind of a rumour or a story and an anecdote but you've got a photograph of you sitting right next to him so make your mind up is he real or not is he is he is he and that concludes social media I think we've all had a good time now that's your lot fuck off have I said that already this episode say it again that's your lot now fuck off that's your lot now fuck off that's your lot now fuck off that's your lot oh hi cat sorry my cat just walked in the room got to deal with that
Emails. Yay! Email. It's your fucking email. So, podcastcroissant at gmail.com. Let me tell you, if you haven't if you haven't done this before, you write us an email and you'll get an auto reply because we don't really check the emails between actually just reading them out on the podcast. And because we're a bi-monthly podcast that does releases an episode every four to six weeks, uh, you'll you'll find that you'll send an email and you won't hear anything back and then all of a sudden there's the episode. So You'll get an automatic apology from Mike. Yeah. <laughs> if you've been thinking about writing an email – Please do. We do always it. put on the we, we do we put on the socials what the next episode's going to be, and then you can write in. And we mm. are going to change the auto reply just to say, "Hey, thanks so much for writing to us." We we're, we're trying to keep it on the show topic sort of thing. So, what's exciting, mm. and what's exciting is that all these emails, bar one, have a Mike shot. Borden. As the subject, and that too, Mike Borden is in all those subjects, but except for Gil Jewett's, who is a new listener, and the subject is F&M. And F&M. I think that- What does is, that stand for? Um, Fishnet wearing monkeys. Fishnet stocking wearing monkeys. Oh, yeah? I was going to say fudge never- Fudge knob man. Fudge, Jesus. You're good at this. <laughs> Run with that. All right. Right. Uh, who wants it? You can have it. Oh, thanks. Because <laughs> it's a long one. It's my morning. You're evening, so you're more awake than me today. Okay. So it's Gil or Jill. Starts with a G. Mm-hmm. Ends with an L. Hi, Jimothy and Microfer. Oh. Recently discovered the show and enjoying it thoroughly. I wanted to share my oh, faith sure. no more history, as there are a couple of details I think you'll enjoy. I discovered them with Epic and was blown away. They were an easy transition from the more standard rock I was listening to. Plus, I also grew up a rap fan. But then they opened up a whole new world as well. A whole new world. Testing place. Okay. Living Colour were a similar experience for me, and it's a shame that other than them both being on Judgment Night, I'm not aware of any other crossovers. Anyway, first time I saw them, they opened for Billy Idol's Charmed Life to... Oh, that was a long time ago. Billy Idol's mm. Charmed Life Tour in the Meadowlands. 90. 990. Which is a stadium and arena complex just over the border between New York, where I'm from, and New Jersey. I was in high school and got a bunch of friends to go, mostly so I could see Faith No More. We were blown away when they played the Nestle Sweet Dreams jingle to lead into Surprise You're Dead. Yep. But the details that stand out for me is that Patton said something like, What's up, New York? Just kidding. I know we're in New Jersey. Yeah, <laughs> that Mike Patton. He's oh, a funny he's a guy, cheek, He's a oh. cheeky bugger, that fat bastard. <laughs> what made it funny was that the moment Billy Idol came out to a to total rock star pomposity, he stood silhouetted in a bright doorway, flooded with smoke and light, and deeply intoned, Hello, New York, with no irony at all. That was a perfect distillation between the two acts for me. Self-aware and down-to-earth versus pretentiousness, rock god posturing. The second time I saw them was on the Angel Dust Tour in a club outside Baltimore where I was at uni. That show was absolutely incredible, as you'd imagine. The internet tells me that Helmet opened, but I have no memory of that, even though I liked them a lot. 
Faith No More were the only thing I remembered. Funny thing is, I was back at that venue shortly after for House of Pain and Biohazard, which was a Mm. great show too. Judgment Night indeed. Indeed. I definitely do remember the opening act from that night, an unknown band called Korn. I didn't become a fan, but I was definitely struck by their intensity. The last time I saw Faith No More was at Hyde Park in 2014, the year I moved to London. Oh, yeah, you're friends now. They played ahead of Black Sabbath. Oh, Black Sabbath. That ties into tonight's show topic or today's show topic or this month's show topic. Or or this bisexually pan-romantic. Diverse, multi-dimensional. They also debuted a couple of songs from Sol Invictus. Bold to play motherfucker to a huge festival crowd without it even being released yet. I like the way you say, I say debut. You say debut. Debut. Debuted. Debut. Debuted. You say debuted. No, I say debuted. Let's call the whole (laughs) thing thing off. off. They were dressed as priests and making constant exorcist references. Great show. Sabbath were incredible as well. As were Soundgarden. Oh, is that right? Yep. I met Chris Cornell that day. Oh. Yep. And it was the first time I ever met Bill and Roddy in person. La dee da. And I usually respond with that. I had tickets to see them in Brixton in 2020, but as you know, that was delayed twice and ultimately cancelled. Hopefully they'll make it back someday. I agree. I have one last live Faith No More adjacent memory. I saw Scat... Well, that's a hard word. I saw Sasquatch at Edinburgh Fringe. I can report that it was very cool. The vocalists were extremely talented and the music had a real flair. At times, it floated on familiar Faith No More synth vibes. Mm-hmm. At other times, it careened into tra- that's hard to say into into traditional, traditional opera. There was interesting experimental percussion as well, which I enjoyed. The audience was small, but I suspect it was a dedicated Faith No More crowd. Anyway, I hope you do get a recording of it at some point. Keep up the good work, fellas. Cheers, Gil. Thanks, Gil. Slash Jill. I think it's Gil. There's a little photo of what looks like a dude that looks like it's a Gil. It looks like the singer out of um, Rage Against Machine. Oh, yeah. In front of some sort of pyramid or something. This isn't Jill. This or Gil. This is actually Zach De La Rocha at Machu Picchu. So thanks, Zach. Um, Zach. I got tickets for that Edinburgh Finch Festival to see um, Sasquatch. Oh, yeah? But because it was Fringe Festival, you literally, I couldn't get anywhere to stay. Couldn't find a hotel at all that wasn't under like £500 for the night. All right. So we ended up not going. Damn. What did you do with your tickets? I think I I, uh, gave them to somebody. I don't know whether they actually went. I think I gave them away on Faith No More followers. Because, I mean, it's a good, was it 300 miles from where I am? Right. So I wasn't going to drive back that night. Fair enough. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Roddy and Mr. Sasquatch. These are all going to be Mike Borden related. Start. You want to, you want to go Dan the Man? I'm going with Dan the Man. <laughs> Dan the Man. These are, these are new rider inners. Is it Dan the Man or Dan Theman? Because there's no space between the and man. Dan Theman. Dan Theman. Dan Theman. Yeah. Right. Okay. Subject is Mike Boarding Tales. Hi there, gents. Long-time listener. First-time emailer. Love it. Thought I'd get in a quick Puffy tale. We don't call him Puffy, do we? Are, are we going to call him Puffy at no, all in this like episode? It. No, he doesn't like no, it. No, we won't. But, you know, he's... We'll, 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 let, we'll let Dan the man... We'll, we'll, let, it, we'll let it run let for off. the emails. Yeah. yeah. 
thought I'd get in a quick puffy tail for the next episode. Well, you, well you've just got it in. You've got it I in. Did. Well, Woo. <laughs> to set the stage, <laughs> I've been a huge Faith No More fan since 1989 when I first saw the epic clip on Rage one Saturday morning. He's obviously Australian then. It's become what some of my friends and family would deem an unhealthy love affair ever since. Do you know what? I've got friends and family that, that, that deem my obsession with Faith No More as unhealthy. Yeah, I've, I've had similar Particularly feedback. Mrs. Brown. She thinks it's a bit unhealthy. Uh, this tale takes place at the end of 1995 in Melbourne. Is it Melbourne or Melbourne? Melbourne. It was my final year of high school and I was attending all the uni open days with my friends. This also coincided with Faith No More touring um, for King for a Day Fool for a Lifetime or Alternative Nation. I can't remember which. My friends were going to the RMIT Open Day in the city. Is that like a college? I think RMIT. it's a uni or something. Yeah, RM I'm, not, I'm, 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 not a, I'm not a grouse Melbourne guy, but yeah, RMIT, I think. Mm. I decided not to, as it wasn't a uni I was considering attending. As it happened, oh, there you my go. mates... It's a uni. As it happened, my mates went to a record store not far from campus and met Mr. Borden scrolling the racks of reggae vinyl. They chatted to him for a few minutes before telling him their mate, Bruffy, yours truly, Bruffy, Bruffy, Puffy, Bruffy, okay, was going to be so sad that he decided not to be there, being the F&M fan he was. The man then graciously grabbed a pen and paper from the desk and scrawled a lovely message. Dear Bruffy, where the hell are you? Love, Puffy. And he gave it to my mates. I still cherish it dearly to this day. And they still remind me about that day with much amusement. Keep up the good work, lads. Cheers, Bruffy. Dan the man, Bruffy. Bruffy. What are you called? I don't, I don't know what to call him. Dan I like Dan the man. Dan the, Dan the man. But Bruffy's good. Bruffy and the Vampire Slayer. Who's this? Rod, 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 Rodrigo. Rodrigo. Roarers. It's creepy daddy. Oh, we have plenty of jingle ages. Creepy little daddy. Oh, jingle time. Hey Jim, hi Mike. Oh, he said your name first. God damn it. Also, I think "hey" sounds more friendly than "hi." Hi's just <laughs> hi, hi Mike. But "hey Jim" is much more friendly. All right. Hey Jim. Hi Mike. No, that's not. I haven't got much to say. <laughs> I haven't got much to say about Mike Borden. One thing that I find interesting, though, he played with all the three bass players that were in Metallica. Yep. Oh, huh. oh yeah. Had a band with Cliff and with Ozzy. You play with both Jason and Robert. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's fun. I'd never thought of that. Was that something you were going to highlight later? Yes, it is. Thanks, thanks, creepy little fucking Rodrigo. Also, the album with Jerry Cantrell and Trujillo is great. That's it. Bye. I'm glad you said <laughs> Robert Trujillo's name before me in this episode, because I would have said Trujillo throughout it. Had you Trujillo. Not, yeah, if you'd not actually pronounced it in the proper Spanish way. <laughs> Did you notice the little thumbnail he's attached to his email as well? <laughs> <laughs> That's his side off now. Little little creepy dwarf guy from Twin Peaks. Cheers, creepy right. Rodrigo. Okay, another new writer of emails to the podcast. I haven't heard of Alan Dobby before. Alan Dobby? Yeah, and I would have definitely have remembered that name because the little creepy elf guy out of Harry Potter in it. The reason I didn't pursue any Harry Potter after the first one. 
I started reading the second book mm. and I was, Dobby was just shitting me. I was like, I can't read this. So it's like the Jar Jar Binks of the um, Harry Potter world. So you've yeah, not gone, which is also, oh, right, we digress, but you've not gone further than the Chamber Pot of Secrets, book two. No. Nah. Oh, dude. No, I, I started the second book and there was this annoying Dobby guy. Yeah, but like, once it, book three onwards, it gets really good. That's when Harry Potter actually comes alive and it gets darker and more grown up themes and it's really cool. Yeah, I, I just, I want Dobby to get murdered. I want someone to actually. He does. <laughs> I've just I think if anyone's going to be upset about <laughs> anyway no I actually said to my family recently I'll watch the Harry Potters if I know Dobby gets murdered he does he gets murdered yeah he actually gets murdered yeah, like he, he doesn't just die no, he someone murdered, kills him he gets stabbed in the chest with a knife oh, okay I'm on board yep. <laughs> next next episode <laughs> right Alan Dobby hi guys I honestly can't begin to tell you how much admiration I have for Puffy. There is no one who can play like him. His power for such a wee skelf of a guy is unbelievable. His beats, chops, whatever you want to call them, are unsurpassed in my honest failed drummer opinion. I don't know if Alan's like a skelf of a guy as well, but it's a fair comment that he made. A wee skelf of a guy suggests... What's a skelf? Well, I would have thought it's Scottish for like skeleton. Oh, yeah. From the first time I seen Faith No More, Glasgow Barrelands 1992, I just love watching him play. I think I spent most of my time at their gigs watching him and wondering how the actual fuck he could do that. I once seen one of these online opinion polls on who was the better drummer. The one was Puffy or Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee won? What? Uh. I mean, come on. Just goes to show there are still fucking morons out there and they are the reason why the human race isn't advancing as quickly as it should. Well said. Well said, Alan. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's yep. my man crush. Embar- oh, I can't say embarrassingly. That's my man crush embarrassingly explained. Did I say that right? Embarrassingly. Yeah. Embarrassingly yeah. explained. Yeah. My all-time favourite bit of drumming from this guy has to be Small Victory. Underrated track and definitely underrated drummer. Keep up the good work, peeps. Regards, Al. Thanks, Al. Thanks, Al and Dobby for writing it. This is good. We got we got so much Mike Borden stuff happening here. Oh, Laura Lancy Mackey writes in. Oh, here we go. Hi, Mike, Jim, and Mr. John. He's not with us anymore. Thanks for last episode. He get he gets one go like every six months or so. <laughs> Thanks for last episode. Haven't watched the video with it yet. Oh, yeah, we need to do that. We were going to yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it at some point. Haven't watched the video with it yet. I don't think I could find the same clip you guys were watching. Mine had no George Michael in it. Also, you forgot to post the link again. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> That's Mr. John's That's Mr. job, John. though. Yeah. He does, yeah. yeah, he does social. Yeah, it's Mr. John. Oh, Mr. John. I think I found out the name of the second host of Hanger with MTV. She's called Gail Mayron. Oh, okay. Looks like she's an actress. At least she's got an IMDb profile. They do that for presenters as well, though. I did. I did try and search for a. Gail I, I gave up after a while, but thanks. Thanks for clearing that up, Gail Mayron. Like that. Yeah. Do you want to Google it while I? Nope. Keep reading. No. Okay. A huge thanks to Mike. Me, MH, yeah. one of the three mics that is. Uh, she didn't say that. I'm just adding that in. Uh-huh. Uh, for making the World Is Yours Death March mashup. 
I still really think there are similarities between those songs. Yeah, I, I, see, I mm-hmm. told you. Yeah, it actually yeah, I works see surprisingly well. Yeah, yeah, thank you. It was so great to hear from Patton. I was surprised how open he was about his issues. Such a huge difference how private he has been before. I'm really hoping everything works out with the live shows in December, and I know we are all hoping for Faith No More to return too. I'm so stoked about the new Dead Cross. I pre-ordered both CD and vinyl. I can't wait to hear what you've got to say about Mike Borden. He's one of my heroes. Yeah. I'd love to get his signature snare drum one day. Me too. I was Googling it. It's going to be about 650 Australian dollars. I remember when that was still new mm. and I wasn't a collector guy and I wish I got one. Uh, I'd still like to get one and get his signature snare drum one day, but they are pretty rare and quite expensive too. Oh, yeah, I just, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, I think my whole drum kit is worth less than that snare. Keep yeah. up the good work. Lands Laura Mackey. Thanks, Laura. Always nice to hear from you. Yay. Good morning, everyone. This is Mr. John from Podcast Croissant. Now, usually I'm in my fact corner doing facts for your facty life to make your life better and full of facts. But this time, Ben Brown. Ben Brown. Something, something, something. Has written in, and he's asked to read out his email in the voice of Bane from Batman, technically it's Dark Knight Rises, or a drunk Ozzy Osbourne, or any other unintelligible character. So I'm going to do it as Bane, because I can do Bane, but I can't do Ozzy Osbourne yet. I'll do that later. Anyway, this is my Ben Brown email. Hello, guys. Charge me anything you like. I'm not going anywhere. Mike Borden has always expressed the most passion for the band and its music in interviews, and he always uses great analogies, such as you shit what you eat, when referring to the band's influences. When I saw them in 2015, I was mesmerized by how hard he is still hitting the drums. No band member has burned more calories on stage than Borden. Of course, it will be easy to make a live compilation of the band shitting on Borden on stage, the best being the start of Let's Lynch the Landlord in Davis, California, 1993, the radio show in Australia in 1990, also known as the Bungee Jumping Incident. And John Hudson going off on him in Denmark when he almost got hit by a flying drumstick. Ben. Bane. Bane. Bane Brown is something connected to something. Charlie Brown or something, something. Bane Brown. I'm Florida man. Bane Brown. Email is from... We have two more Mike Borden emails. Kyle Munts. Right, Kyle Munts. That sounds familiar, that name. Kyle Munts. Kyle, I'm right, because I think that's a character from something. Kyle Munns. Kyle Munns. Kyle Munns. Kyle Munns. No, it didn't. Right, um, that little first line at the top subject thing is Mike Boarding question. Ooh, a question. Ooh, right, ooh. so this is from Kyle. Thanks for writing in, Kyle, by the way. Thank you, Kyle. First More time new listeners. This. Yep. Small victories mentioned he lost his mum and was raised by his dad but I've always wanted to know more about his parents. He seems like a genuinely nice and humble guy, which is somewhat rare amongst entertainers, and I have always attributed this to how he was raised. Just wondering if I'm right about that. Uh, hmm. I don't know much about Mike's family, but we'll, we'll get into that as we go. Yeah, on. and I think he, he's, he seems to be a private guy who shares what he wants to share. Hmm. And he is a family guy. 
We'll say that much. Mm. Like we always comment on this podcast, we're not here to talk about the private lives of the band. We are here to talk about absolute moronic shit. Anyway, <clears throat> also on the King for a Day tour, they played at Numbers in Houston, Texas. And while I was standing in the line that was wrapped around the parking lot, he bumped into me. For whatever reason, people kept coming out of the back door of the club and crossing the parking lot to a Mexican restaurant next door. Maybe the club's bathrooms were broken. I have no idea. But anyways, at some point, Mike B crossed over to visit the restaurant and a few minutes later, he was making his way back and staring at a car. I seem to remember it was an RX-7. Don't know what that is. Um, not a car person. Instead Mazda? of watching Mazda. where... What? A Mazda. Mazda. A Mazda. Yeah, I think so. So he was looking Mazda at a Mazda. Oh, okay. Instead of watching where he was going, and he bumped into a few of us in the line. He apologised and explained that it was a really great-looking car. What I want to know is, did he ever get an RX-7? And more importantly, does he remember me? <laughs> Keep up the great work, guys, and I've been really enjoying the podcast. I'm sorry, Kyle, but I um, don't think uh, I want to email my pot in and ask him if he remembers you, whether he got an RX-7 or um, about his parents. So, although it's a very nice of you writing in, I ain't going to ask him all those questions. <laughs> i got nothing. No. <laughs> You could write him an email and just no, say, hey, I'm, you I'm not the my RX-7 boarding message service. I'm not his private secretary. Hey, Mike, just got an email from uh, Kyle Munns. Just wants to know, you you played, come on, it was King for a Day Tour. It was only 95. Do <laughs> so you remember an RX-7? I just Googled it. It is a Mazda, a uh, very sporty car. Uh, from what I can see very quickly, it's a front engine rear wheel drive. Oh. Yep, sporty, sporty looking thing. Kind of Porsche, Porsche-ish. The Porsche Carrera, the 911. Ash Wright writes Ash writer. Ash Wright is the new writer writing in for the first time. Ash Wright. I love that the Mike Borden topic has stirred up so much excitement for topical emails. Well, we haven't done a, a member episode. <laughs> a member episode. We haven't member. done a member of Faith the More episode in... in Oh, well, a long time, two years, something like that. Maybe our Christmas special can be Mr. John's member. I just I feel like he'd be totally on board for that. <laughs> Speaking of bored, Mike Borden and finding time to send emails is the subject. Dear, pick one of the following as you will. Mr. John, Mr. Jim and Mr. Mike, Mr. Jim, Mr. Mike and Mr. John, Mr. Mike, Mr. John and Mr. Yep. I'm going for the Ash, B. Ash, yeah, you went for the one with you first? Yes. Okay. Firstly, I want to thank whoever is behind the socials, I assume it's Mr. John, yes it is, for throwing enough shade at me to encourage me to write in again. <laughs> cool, good. I don't know what this, I, I don't know, know what's in I store. Know. I don't read the socials. Goody. As an award-winning presenter of the podcast, <laughs> I'm far too important to be reading social media posts. I get someone else to do it for me. Yeah. The last time I wrote in, I was procrastinating at work and what feels like two and a half centuries ago, I had just listened to the first episode of Podcast Croissant and felt compelled to write in. I was blown away a few episodes later, the Roddy Bottom episode, when you read out my email. I have to admit, I pooped in excitement <laughs> a little. Not enough to excite a shit terrorist, though. Yeah. So here I am at 4 a.m. in the morning, procrastinating at work again, writing to you. There are some late hours mm. or early hours. He's probably a bin man or a prostitute. Probably. Of all, of all the of all the night shifts, bins. 
or prostitution. And look, that's that's nothing that's wrong great. with that. No, not at all. It's, that's awesome. Uh, here we go. Mike Borden, iconic in look, sound, and style. Being a drummer myself, I was always in awe of this dude. Caffeine taught me how to play 3-4 timing. On the MTV Live video, I remember thinking his China symbol was so flat vertically that it looks like he punches it at some points. Digging the Grave was the first song I played live as a drummer in high school. The middle breakdown is still one of my favorite things to play and a warm-up sound check Mm go-to. I reckon probably the interlude. Oh, yeah, the middle breakdown. Mm-hmm. I just said that. Good, good, go me. I also remember trying to have my toms super high and flat like mics at one stage, but couldn't pull it off. Ha, ha, ha. I'm sure you'll probably go over this in the episode, but is he left-handed and learnt to, yeah, we'll get to that, and learnt to play on a right hand? Yeah, we'll get to that. Or did he always just play it in an open? We'll get to that. I've always been in awe of how hard he hits. Doesn't matter if it's a hard groove, get out, or a jazzy just a man, or homesick home. You love that song. He beats the shit out of his kit. Phenomenal grooves using toms to create those booger daggy drives with Bill. Booger daggy. <laughs> booger daggy drives. Booger daggy. I remember hearing that he only has bass coming through his drum monitor, showing how in sync he and Bill are. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have that note. No, I don't. Did know you know that? that? No. I remember hearing that he only has bass coming through. Oh, okay, super heavy and not a double kick in sight on his kit. Yes, not a fan of double kicks. Don't know if you are, but indifferent. I'm indifferent. The look, those dreads, the open hand position, the backward sticks, the flat toms. We're going to get to all of this. The dude is just a guy you remember. I've always heard that he's just a super nice guy as well. If you can't tell, I've got a little idle wood on for this fella. <laughs> Playing Borden's songs. A couple, of little, a couple of little mentions of some songs and some comments. This is good because I, I, I don't have these in my notes. King for a Day. Probably my favorite song of his to play the drums to. Lots of dynamics and cool grooves. Ashes to Ashes. The Toms. Perfect to break your sticks to. Land of Sunshine. Booger Daggers. Digging the Grave. The breakdown and the tom work is great fun. So in summary, the dude is god of drummers. Mm. So, gents, I'll leave it there. I look forward to writing to you again in around 45 years' time. Ooh. When we release this next we'll, episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll be on episode 42 by then. <laughs> Until then, I'll continue lurking in the corner of Facebook, liking posts and being socially awkward online. Love your work, guys. I wish I had continued writing enough to get a jingle, but that's on me. Hugs and kisses, Ash. A, B, right of the book face. A, B, right of the book face. Look. Ash rules. That was a a nice email. I liked that, Ash. I'm still trying to make sense of A, B, right of the book face. I I mean, if you have a book in alphabetical order, A, B, right of the the book face. I'm not getting that. No, maybe Ash can write in next episode. And then he keeps writing, he'll get a jingle. Thanks, Ash. That was my favourite email of this episode. No offence, Alan Dobby, Lauren Lansamaki, Dan Duman, or Rodrigo, or Gil. Kyle Munz. Kyle Munz. Why do I know that name? Kyle Munz. Munz. No, I can't think. That's email's done. In record time. got some amazing parallel universe facts for you about sticks and tubs human michael faith no bordin 
Mr. John Facts Fact 1! Michael is a Welsh man, but eschews the Welsh drumming tradition of hitting a small woman with leeks and daffodils, and instead he's kitted out with actual drums, which he continues to faith no explore. Mr. John Facts Fact 2! Bourdain has played with all the Metallica bassists, because the rest of Metallica don't trust bass players that haven't jammed with him. When we asked Metallica mouthpiece Jimmy Hatstands, he said, Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he sold us some merchandise like a faith no whore. Uh, three. By the way, the Faith No More parachute merchandise has been recalled after fans kept missing their home sweet home when jumping out of planes to Miami, now boarding Gate 12. Surprise, they're dead. Bad news if you bought one of those from your local Faith No store. Mr. John Fat On a personal note... Personal note! In this case, B major, I've seen Mickey Boom Boom play the drums on three occasions with the band, and I can tell you at the end of each show, he went home through a faith no door. Fact five, I've got a sore throat now. This November is his 60th birthday, so instead of letting off fireworks like you're in a faith no war, you can celebrate the longevity of this amazing musician by banging some lids with a rod, making a right loud faith no roar. This show. <coughs> Fuck. Mike Borden's favourite flavour of ice cream is Ultimate, which your gran likes too. Did you see that coming? Did you? Did you? Did you? Let's ask Jim and Mike and Mike and Jim and Mike and Jim and Jim and Mike and girls who like boys to be boys to be girls and like Mike and Jim and Mike. It's not a thing. It is. Booker, booker, dagger, booker, 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 dagger, show topic, 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 cool. Woo! Mike, Mike Borden. Mike Borden. MB. Michael Andrew Borden. So it's often said in regards to members of Faith the More that each has his own individual character that brings unique influences and personality traits and all these ingredients melt together in the cooking pot of the band that creates something truly original. Uh, this can definitely be said of Mike Borden. Without his drumming style, Faith No More would certainly not sound the same. Um, his power, his rhythmic skill and his personality all are a necessary part yes. of Faith No More. Uh, fans will often marvel at Mike Patton as like the phenomenon of the band, you know, as, as the... Uh, the the talent of the band, but Mike Borden is one of the most, in my opinion, is one of the most original drummers out there. It's most likely to be different for drummers that listen to Faith No More, but as a general mm. music listener and someone that doesn't play drums, I don't think there's a great deal of drummers out there whose style is instantly recognisable and who contribute so much to that individual sound of a band. And yep. Mike does that. Yep. You know, it, it's been a it's been a while since I've said this. But the foundation of Faith No More's sound is Booger Daddy Bill with Mike Borden and that mm-hmm. rhythm section mm-hmm. with Roddy's searing keys. But the the foundation of those drum grooves, oh, oh. Yeah. yeah, he's he's out of this world. And someone said this in the emails: someone of such a slight frame 
how can he create such powerful beats? Because they're so thick and powerful and heavy. And if you didn't know Faith No More and listen to the music, you'd think it was this big, heavy set guy with huge arms yep. that was hitting the kit. Not this little wiry dude with dreadlocks. The kit almost completely masks him. You can't see him. He's, you know, he's, he's got such a huge kit and there's this little guy behind creating such destructive beats. You say that. Hang on, I'm just doing a quick... Like, when they stand in a line, Faith No More, I think he's the shortest member of the band. I think he's the, the smallest member of the band. Yet he's the one that creates the power. So when, when you talk about like a thunderous drummer, have you ever seen much Queens of the Stone Age? I like them. I've got songs for the death. Which Dave Grohl famously I, which did. I really like that album, but can't can't say I've seen their drummer apart from when Dave Grohl. Well, they've had um, Joey Castillo, and look, I, I, this is likely to be inaccurate. Joey Castillo could be. It's not Castillo, but he is what I picture when you hear Mike Borden in terms of that description of this like mm. bulky built thunderous drummer and then um john theodore is now he went from mars volta to queens of the stone age they both have similar styles to mike borden yeah but i i i I picture in that description of that thunderous drumming uh joey castillo i will mention because this is going to come up a couple of times in this episode uh there's an excellent podcast from joe wong uh his his podcast mm-hmm. is called The Trap Set with Joe Wong. His episode 200 and... Oh, I think I've heard of it. He did an interview with Mike Borden, episode 247. Well, that'll be why then. Um, it's a great listen. The whole episode goes for something like, what, 100 and... 100. 140. One hour and 42 minutes. It's really worthwhile. I mm-hmm. am going to politely take a couple of grabs from that podcast to share as we get on topic. Okay. But there is a portion and I'm not going to sample it now because go listen to it. If you're into your Mike Borden, you need to check out Joe Wong's uh, podcast. Borden actually talks about how he spent a lot of time just catching the stick. Like when you hit the, when you hit the drum and the stick, the stick flicks back and catching it again and catching that rebound and the way he would hit the drums. He spent a lot of time on that. I've never met Mike Borden. I've never had the Neither. pleasure of meeting Mike. The couple of times I've been backstage, she stayed at Hidden Away. However, I have talked to him via email regularly since 2015 and he's a really, really cool guy. <laughs> Funny story, actually. The first time I ever spoke with him, somehow I clicked the wrong, I was on my phone and I was sending Mike an email and I clicked the wrong button and it, it huh. rung him. It rung his, his mobile number and I freaked out and hung up immediately. And then I got a text and it said, who is huh. this? And I totally panicked. So I messaged Bill and told him what happened. And he was like, oh, you should wind him up. You should send him loads of like death threats and stuff like that and wind <laughs> him up. And I think that'll be a common theme going through this this uh, episode that the band very much like to wind Mike is that right? up, and he is very easy to wind. up. I did not yeah. know that. It's been apparent over yeah. the years. He's the butt of a lot of Faith No More pranks, especially really? in the early nineties. Uh, I did actually get a stick of Mike Borden's. Aww. I think it's from Sheffield in nineteen ninety two, and it's got tape over the traditional hitting side of the stick. Yep. And all the, the nicks, 
you know, where it's been hit against the rim of the uh, drum are all in the thick end of the stick. We do see over time that Mike Borden sometimes, not all the time, plays with his sticks the opposite way around. I believe it to be most of the time. So it was in the emails as well that uh, is he left-handed? He is left-handed. And again, the, the, the Joe Wong podcast, he talks through all of this. He went and saw a teacher being left-handed and being into what he was into. The teacher encouraged him to basically go for it and try and create his own style. So he plays open-handed. So the traditional drummer setting, most people can picture a drummer playing their drum kit and they hit the snare drum with their left hand, if they're right-handed, they hit the snare Mm -hmm. drum with their left hand and they cross the arm over to hit the hi-hats and then when they move around the kit, Mm -hmm. they still lead everything with their right hand because they're right-handed. But there's always that crossover thing, Mm -hmm. whereas Mike Borden sits in this very relaxed, you know, appearance of his, you know, his left hand hits a hi-hat because he sets his drums up like a traditional drummer, but he plays with his left hand on that and then the right hand hits the snare drum. Uh, But since I've been talking to Mike, he's helped me fact check plenty of articles, particularly one that I wrote on Cliff Burton, um, which, you know, we'll get into Mike and Cliff as the episode goes on. And he also has praised me a few times for the the work that Faith No More followers done. Another story that proves what a cool guy is. Um, So when... Adrian was doing the book launch for Small Victories in Ireland. Mike and his family uh, flew out there to be there for the for the oh, well. launch. And a few friends that are in our Faith No More Friends group were there. And he hung out with them, went for a meal with them, and was just really open and cool and chatted with them about the band and about his history of music. Wow. But yeah, going into this episode, we did the Roddy episode. And that was like four hours long. I think we discussed every facet of, of Roddy's style, his personal life, his history in music, his history in Faith No More, his history in all the other projects he's done. Um, and I think we should try and keep this a bit more succinct and not go into the four hour mark. I'd like to start, if it's okay with you, with his history, with the story, like we did in our yeah, Jim yeah, Martin cool. episode, yep. like we did okay. in our Roddy Bottom episode. If we, we start with his history, move through, and then we can just talk about things as we go along. And Mike's history is full of curious twists and turns and involves some of, of Metal's most famous characters. So yeah, I've, I've drawn a bit from Adrian's book um, and all the articles that you know, I read and I need to read that again. Yeah, I think you do. But of course, all this info stored in my faith, the more brain box for such an occasion as this. So I'm, I'm very excited. Um, but I'm going to start off with saying that I actually reached out to Mike and told him that we were going to be recording this episode, and I asked him if there's anything he didn't want us to discuss and if there any anything he could add. So he's given me a little quote just to uh, kick off with <laughs> a couple of things that are essential to my thinking about what I do are. The bassist I have had working creative relationships are crucial. Cliff Burton, Billy Gould, and Robert Trujillo. Trujillo. Did I get it right? You didn't. Oh, did I get it right? Trujillo. Yeah. Are all huge elements of my story. The music, the song dictates what I play, and serving it has been my focus, commitment, mission from the very beginning. I truly consider myself a team player and my primary focus has always been to support the side and make them look good. I was very lucky to have had bandmates who have listened to my playing and at times would create around that rather than the traditional way around approach. So thanks, Mike. Thanks for chirping in there. That's awesome. 
When did he he play with Rob Trujillo with Aussie? Yes. And, and with Jason. With um, Degradation Trip, the thing that uh, Jerry can Oh, of course. Together. Yeah. I'm, I'm not familiar with that one. I, I truthfully haven't listened to that we're, one. We're, we're, again, we're, in the episode, we'll discuss mm. these, these friendships he's forged with Metallica bassists. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. It must be nice for Metallica bassists to play with someone who can play. can we for this whole episode just every time we have like a silly quib we can just drop in a because it's a drum episode yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah sounds good yeah that's done that that leads well into the episode doesn't it i believe that mike and robert i'm just gonna call him robert t because i'll probably keep fucking up that in a second him uh the, the best buddies basically you can see that when he does the um uh, who wants to be a millionaire thing? He's his, his man oh, yeah, in the yeah, audience yeah, that's right. with his wife. Got a bit of that. Yeah, I believe they're still best mates. And my friend, uh, Stefan Chirazzi, obviously, the uh, music journalist who wrote the first Faith the More book and uh, wrote all the articles about them back in the day, he shared pictures on his social media before of him, Mike Bordin, and Robert T. all, all stood together at, at ball games and at concerts and yeah, all sorts. Yeah. So... Yeah. Man. So, so should we? Uh, well, when we do this, we like to like play a bit of music underneath, don't we? Because I'm starting the um, starting the spiel now. Michael Andrew Puffy, in inverted commas, Borden, was born on November the twenty seventh, nineteen sixty two, in San Francisco. The first major turning point in his life was when he sadly lost his mum at the age of nine. His dad gave him a radio and he found the music to be a bit of a distraction and a way to handle his grief and he does say in Adrian's book that this kind of early association of music with healing uh, stuck with him all his life I did find this little quote from him he says that his grandfather was from Russia Kiev and that his family is Russian and Welsh and on the other side there's Italian and Hungarian and I think some Polish too he says, I'm a real mongrel. Yeah, flaming mongrel. That's a, that that's my a big... Uh, Alf Stewart. Alf Stewart from uh, Home and Away. you mongrel. <laughs> Mike has always been a massive music buff. He's been a fanatic. And his first obsession was the band Credence Clearwater Revival. His early heroes, though, weren't drummers. They were all guitarists, such as Jimi Hendrix, Tommy Iommi, Jimmy Page and Richie Blackmore. I think this, the, one of the biggest things for Mike was when he was about 10... He heard Black Sabbath in a friend's basement, um, and their music had such a profound effect on him. You know, if you listen to the Joe Wong podcast, he was at his grandmother's mm. house when he discovered Well, Oh, was he? There could be a crossover in that story because he saw Black Sabbath performing California Jams, which was a, a festival, and mm. I, I've got no concept of what year that would have been. But he said he was at his grandmother's yeah, house and he was watching the television. Mid 70s. Daytime performance of Black Sabbath, and that blew his mind. So in 1975, Mike attended Castro Valley High School, which is where he met Cliff Burton, and they became best buddies. Black Sabbath convinced them both to be in a band. Mike said that at the age of 15, they, him and Cliff were so desperate to go see Black Sabbath live, he stole his neighbour's car to get to the show. Wow. And then another major turning point for Mike was seeing the Sex Pistols in Winterland in 1977, which was famously their last ever show when they went to uh, America. And that's when 
Johnny Rotten left. Oh. So I've got a bit of a quote from Mike here, and I, I like this quote. And he said it in 2015. It's a, an anecdote that he's repeated on many occasions. When I was 13 years old, it was 1975, and I was sitting in my friend Cliff Burton's bedroom, and he said, Hey man, I'm going to play bass. And I said, Okay, I'll play drums. It was a total <laughs> knee-jerk reaction. And it was completely unthought out. And from that moment, I started playing and it kind of took over for me. It was an obsession. It was positive. It was something that kept me out of trouble and defined those middle years where kind of I could have gone way off the rails and gone in the wrong direction. I think that's really sweet and really cool that it was just two mates yeah. at the age of 13 listening to Sabbath. I could just imagine the picture. And Cliff just turns around and says, I'm go- do you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a bass guitar. And Mike goes, well, if you're going to do that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play drums. And that's how he started. Yeah. Uh, a bit of a quote here from Small Victories. I went home and told my dad I was going to be a drummer. And he said, no, you're not. And I said, yes, I am. And I did. And I kept practicing. <laughs> I practiced a lot. And I didn't do anything else for almost five years from the age of 13 to 18, which is a good time to stay out of trouble. Because in my area, in the East Bay, there was plenty of trouble to be found. And I just want to drop in here as well that Andrew Bowie, 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 Bowie has helped me out uh, with finding a lot of these quotes. My, uh, Andrew Bowie, Bowie, Bowie knows a lot about Mike Borden's history. Oh, yeah. And then a final, oh, oh no, a couple more quotes, sorry. So Mike Borden said in The Real Story, 1994, the book by Stephen Terizzi, the first time we played together was on Cliff's back porch. Cliff's parents had bought him a Rickenbacker bass, which I thought was incredibly nice. His parents were the greatest. I had shitty drums. We played Gene Genie, the uh, Bowie song. And after that, forget about it. As often as we could, as much time as we could spend, we jam in Jeb's barn, and it was a big theme. Jeb was an East Bay guy who just liked to play, and even in his Metallica days, Cliff would go and jam at Jeb's hmm. barn. And then one last quote, this is from Cliff Burton, um, from 1986. Oh, it was all kinds of weird shit. It was pretty silly, actually. We did a lot of covers, just wimpy shit. So, carry on the story. Cliff and Puffy's first band... Oh, I said Puffy. Cliff and Mike's first band was called <laughs> Fry by Night, which also featured Eddie Chacon, who would later find fame as the one half of the pop duo Charles and Eddie. Would I lie oh, to you, I baby? forgot would that! Would I lie to you? Oh, yeah. That's spicy. Now, they were called Fry by Night. Apparently, it was a, a mistake on the flyer. They were supposed to be called Fly by Night. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a, a typo on the flyers, but it's just stuck with the name then, <laughs> Fly By Night. Um, but Eddie Chacon, you should, if you just type in Eddie Chacon into Google, he did a recent interview, I think, where he discusses his time we might board in. Oh. Um, but you, you, you wouldn't have thought that, would you? That the guy that's with a really high-pitched voice doing all those you know, sweet pop songs was, was in a band with, with, with Mike Bowden. No, it's amazing. Yeah, so the next band was Easy Street, which... Faith and More fans might have heard of. Uh, the leader of the band was Jim Martin. And of course, it took its name from a strip club in San Manteo. But Jim and Mike Bardin didn't get on. That was the point where Jim Martin and Cliff Burton became really good friends. And their history, I think we discussed that in the Jim Martin episode, their history goes way back mm, as well. Yep. There is an article I, I wrote called How Cliff Burton Helped to Form Faith No More, something like that. It's on Faith No More followers. It's one of the articles that Mike Bardin helped me with. Uh, you can go read about the whole history between Cliff and Faith No More on that. Cool. But at this point, this is where Mike Bordin and Cliff go separate ways. 
Mike Borden's dad sent him to a boarding school. A boarding, a boarding school. For behavioural problems. A board, <laughs> yeah, a boarding, a boarding school. <laughs> uh, this is where he became serious about studying the drums. His first drum teacher encouraged him to listen to jazz, such as the Tony Williams Lifetime, who I've actually never checked okay. out. Have no. You, do you know? No. About? Rather than listening to metal and rock and punk at this school for behavioural problems. You know, he was he was having some issues at home. So, you know, he went there and he, he does say that if he hadn't gone to this school and, you know, had the drums, his life would have gone in a completely different way. Yep. So from there, um, Mike Bardin went to university in Berkeley. If, if you remember in that documentary we did, uh, there's that interview on Raw Power and Bill Gould says they were too old now to get jobs. So they had to uh, release albums apart from one. And then Mike Borden goes, yep, I graduated. That's why I'm sitting the highest here. Ah. While he was at uni, he threw himself into drums. He learned the basics from the teachings of renowned drum guru Chuck Brown. Yep, yep. Who also taught Michael Shreve and, and Terry Bozio. Yep. I've got those names here. I'll Brown cross those was off. A, a great influence. On, was he taught by um, Chuck Brown? Because I, the way I understood, no, he wasn't actually taught by him. He was taught by, he was taught by, yeah, one of Chuck yeah, Brown's somebody, students. Yeah, he was taught Chuck Brown's yes. methods by somebody yep. else, and I do know the name. I didn't have that name, but yeah, it was one of Chuck. It was Chuck Brown's method, like let's a, say. a bloody unorganized fool. I didn't write it down. So then he went on to study African percussion music with a, a Ghanaian. Is that how we'd say it? Ghan, Ghan, Ghanian. Yep. Teacher. C.K. Ladzepko. I did a little Google on C.K. Uh, okay. There's yeah, a tutorial video of his that's been uh, pushed onto YouTube. All right. Is it true that he didn't actually play a, a drum kit? He didn't play the drums. He just used instruments and played them with his hands. Yeah, that's what I understand. And, and certainly and... in this in this tutorial, sorry, I say drum tutorial, it's like a percussion and timing mm tutorial so he's like tapping his foot and right, clapping right. his hands or hitting um uh, they, they weren't cowbells but they were a percussive instrument mm-hmm. i might this is where i'll drop in just a little sample of him showing people how simple beats can be and it's amazing that if you try because i was watching it i was stomping my foot and clapping my hands trying to keep up with it and to play it mm. is really weird to hear it it makes sense but yeah, I'll drop in just a little sample and look, I'm sure there's other examples that might be closer to Mike Borden, but I'll just, I'll do a little, do a little CK, what's his, what's his surname? CK? Ladzepko. CK Ladzepko sample. Now, six against four cross rhythm has been the foundation of our music, meaning we clap, we set up a big scheme of four and then set another one, six, going. This is the basic. One. Two, three, four, and I'm clapping as an equal is going down. One, two, three, four, five, six. Now play together. The Ever kid, if you ask the Ever kid to do six against four cross with them to you, and he understands you, he will just go what? You wanna try that? Ready? <laughs> go and Now, in one of the hands, 
will be a steady count of four. I think in my left, one, two, three, four. And then here, one, two, three, four, five, six. But collectively, it becomes music. Man, you will see a, as endless nights grooving this and enjoying it. Enjoying the moments that the beat comes together and the moment that they are traveling become much more dynamic. So the every kid, and make it human, let your emotion go into it, you have a great groove going. Now, that is the foundation of, you know, of our music. Well, I think these, these different early influences on Mike's playing in the future, in Faith No More, are the big reason of why he's so unique. Oh, you can hear it, though. But you can hear it, in, even in the way this guy's just tapping, like, two different beats at the same time. Like, it's like the, the groove, the, the, the swing to it. Hmm. You can hear it, and you can hear the Mike Borden influence. Would you say that CK Ladzepko is the original Bugger Daddy, then? Ooh. Do you think this is where the, the foundation of Bugger Daddy the Big Bugger Daddy, the Booster Bugger Daggers, comes from? He would be... Um, no, it's Mike Borden. Oh, okay. It's really Mike Borden. Well, I just want to explain here, if, if this is the first time you listen to one of our episodes, Mike Borden, if you listen to this, <laughs> Bugger Daddies are what <laughs> we used to describe as the unique... <laughs> Faith no more rhythm that you and Bill play. So there you go, Mike. Well, coming up in, a, in at some point soon, I'll I'll do a little breakdown of the Booger Dagger to explain why it's called mm. the Booger Dagger, which is a silly name that we've evolved into using. Sums it up though. But I also think I also think part of the Booger Daddy vibe, the Booger Daddy rhythm style, what we consider yeah. it as, also comes from a lot of the influences Mike Bordin had at this point in his life as well, such as Echo and the Bunny Men. Uh-huh. Killing Joke. Yep. You know? Yep. Who's the drummer at Killing Joke? Yes. Yes. <laughs> him. <laughs> we say that Bill has a very, you know, it was very influenced by him. I, I believe Mike was too. And this helped Mike break away from traditional techniques. Yep. And I've got all these quotes that I keep dropping in. And I don't know whether people like listening to the quotes, but I don't give a fuck because it's my podcast. And if I want to do a quote, I'll do a quote. Here's one from Mike. Once you break the real heavy metal bond, if it's not metal, it sucks. Then you open up to everything all of a sudden. You can listen to everything as and metal as well. The African deal was a big deal. It was someone teaching me something that was in different way of looking at things. It was a rhythmic approach. It was the rhythmic philosophy. The downbeat was very important. The way Labzepko described it was that it was the central thematic unifer of Western African culture. I think that's from Small Victories. Paul Ferguson. What? Paul Ferguson. Killing joke drummer. Oh, oh. <laughs> I thought you'd just like... Like, add some kind of, like, <laughs> mental breakdown and just start saying random names. Paul Ferguson. <laughs> you can absolutely hear that Ghanaian influence in his playing, though, and a lot of people point to it. And um, uh, Igor Cavalera from Sepultura. Mm, yeah. Big, big influence on him was Mike Borden. And, you can, yeah, you can hear that on Roots and, and things yeah. like that. Yeah, which, I mean, I'm sure Igor had other roots to his playing. Igor had more roots to his playing, but yeah, Mike Borden was also another influence. Mike Borden's next musical group was called the Fanatics, who were a pop group. And he was in this band while he was at uh, UC Berkeley. And then 
we begin to get into Faith No More territory. Right. So is there any audio of Fun Addicts? I believe there is actually, yeah. Yeah. Damn. And if not, then... Yeah, I didn't do my research on that one. Andrew Bowie kept mentioning a band called Police State. Oh, yeah. Now, have you got any info on them? No, not at all. I I googled them and I couldn't find any info on them. Maybe I should have pressed Andrew for, for, for more info, but I don't know where they slot into this time chronology. Um, I will have to, uh, well, that might be housekeeping for next episode. Um, but yeah, we get to 1981 and Mike Bordin answers the same ad as Bill Gould and they both become members of Sharp Young Men with Mike Morris. Mike, the man Morris on guitar and vocals and Wade Worthington on keyboards. This band then becomes Faith No Man. If you know your Faith No More history, Worthington left and was replaced by Roddy Bottom and they eventually kicked out Mike Morris and replaced him with Mike Mark Bowen. So that's when they became Faith No More because they kicked the man out. So they dropped the man and became Faith No More with uh, still with a, a period a capital stop in there. That's when they, you know, they, they tried out different singers. Chuck Mosley came along, became the permanent front man. And then they were looking for a guitarist. And it was Cliff Burton that suggested that Jim Martin fill the space even though, you know, the, the history with Mike Bordin and Jim Martin wasn't the most uh, amicable. Yep. And then I've got a really awesome quote here from Mike Bordin from 2015, and it just kind of sums up that early phase of Faith No More. We all kind of learned a language together, and we were the only ones who really spoke it, because they were learning what I learned, but not only what I learned, but how I learned it. And I think Roddy, at the beginning, his melodies were very syncopated, very simple, but very syncopated. We were all playing percussion to each other, all syncopating with each other around the rhythm. We were all speaking the same damn language. So Mike Bardin is basically saying that it it was the percussion that brought them all together. It was the rhythmic thing that brought them all together, which Mm -hmm. you see Mm -hmm. throughout Faith No More's career, the foundation of Faith No More that you discussed earlier, Bardin Gold. And bottom, this is when they forged that relationship and forged that sound that would carry on. Yep, yep. And the final thing I've got to say on this really early part of Mike's musical history is he was, for a short time, he was a member of of Popo Pies. And that overlapped, it was like around about 1983 to 1985. And him and Bill, I think, recorded on second record in 1984. And he was also in the new, briefly in a new wave gothic band called Glorious Din oh. around about 1985. Again, the, 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 there's probably a lot more information on those two. In fact, there's a, there is a lot more information on Popper Pies on the Faith No Man website. I think it's faithnoman.com, which yeah. is run by my good friend Yada. That's something you guys can go out and search for, Glorious Din and Popper Pies. And then we come to a really important and uh, tragic turning point in Mike Bordin's life. In 1986, Cliff Burton was tragically killed in a road accident. This is something that affected Mike for the rest of his life. To this day, he still is really close with Cliff's parents. They still keep the legend of Cliff Burton alive. You know, there's all sorts of, of, of things that happen. There's Cliff Burton Day, which Mike gets involved in every year. 
Um, I believe Jim Martin gets involved in it a lot as well. You can see in the Epic video that uh, Jim Martin's got a tribute to Cliff T-shirt on. Oh, yeah, and he wore that at Brixton as well, didn't he? Uh, Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. And the very same T-shirt, Mike Borden wears it in the video for I Don't Want to Stop, the Ozzy Osbourne video. Oh. Cliff is just a part of Mike. He's like his brother, Mike once said he, he, you know, he considers Cliff's parents as his, like his own parents. Well, he did remain close to his parents and, um, uh, sorry, I don't remember his name. Uh, Cliff's, Cliff's father. Ray. Ray. Yeah, Ray passed away two years ago now. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 So there, that's the first bit of Mike Bodding's story. Ta-da. Oh, where do we take it? So I, I have much less in, in comparison to our Roddy Bottom episode, I've much less mm. dissections song by song. What mm. I really noticed, and it was sort of, it was a combination of researching what Mike Borden had to say about himself as a player, about how the mm. band evolved, as in Faith No More evolved in their uh, musicianship, and then also noticing audibly how Faith No More's music evolved. Uh, we care a lot. Is all this, you know, we'll get to the Booger Daggers in a little bit, but there is a lot more just hard hitting percussion in the drum style to the We Care A Lot album. Mm. And if you're listening for hi hats, they're very infrequently played. And I I did a rush sort of, I, was, I, was, I scanned through the albums just to hear that progression of even just stylistically, but also the hi hat playing. And the We Care A Lot album, I know he said he played it on one song, I think it's The Jungle, where he's actually hitting the hi-hat with his stick. Otherwise, Borden's thing is that he keeps his two hands free while he's hitting toms and snare and cymbals and his left foot bounces on the hi-hat when it's required. You'll also notice when you listen to We Care A Lot, the hi-hat's mixed very low. So even when it is played... It's a uh, it's mixed low, and then when you move into introduce yourself, there's a little bit more, but it's still again mixed incredibly low. Well, you can actually see that on the um, video for We Care a lot. I, I know he's not actually, you know, it's it's a setup. It's you know they're, they're they're playing to the cameras. They're not physically playing the music, but he's still playing. Yeah, and he very rarely touches yeah. that higher. In fact, I don't think he does touch it with his sticks no. at all. No, a while ago for Mike's birthday. Um, celebrations. I put together a playlist of of Mike Bardeen's beats. Oh, I watched that video. Mm. Oh yeah, the, the oh, yeah, I did a video. Yeah. That was a while ago though, about that video. There were three songs I picked out from We Care a Lot: The Jungle, Mark Bowen, and Pills for Breakfast. Where you can really, yep. particularly Pills for Breakfast, you can really hear that early style of of Mike's drumming that that locks in with Bill's bass, and it's just signature. Yep drumming from the outset from what is it 35 36 37 years ago you know when this album was released yeah hear that signature drum sound before we care a lot you can hear it on the faith no man recordings you can hear it on Hmm. 
the pop-up eyes, you can hear those early Faith No More gigs with Courtney Love. It's there. It's already there. His style is mm. already there. It's it's a fledgling early form of his style, and it grows the more you follow these these chronologically. Mm. You follow these albums through, but it's there. You can tell it's Mike Borden from nineteen eighty fucking one. Yep. 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 Yeah, the, the 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 real thing. If we if I stick on the hi hats thing for one more album, you hear them introduced a little bit more. Introduce hi hats right on. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going for more. I'm just going for more and more. <laughs> this whole episode, but yeah, you'll you'll hear more and more traditional beat. I guess he's still got excellent grooves but you'll hear more and more traditional approach to playing throughout the albums by the time you get to angel dust the song that stood out to me was kindergarten mm. like he's just hitting a hi-hat like a normal hi-hat for a mm. change and he just he never did a lot of that well i will say this when we don't record a podcast mm. i pretty much don't listen to much faith no more anymore like i've i've listened to a lot of faith no more in my life already mm. and i feel like i'm pretty saturated on faith no more so when it comes time to record an episode, there's a show topic, and then I dive, I dive down that rabbit hole. And there was again, like doing a Mike Borden episode, like it just gave me a new, exciting thing to experience. Yeah. When we've done these previous episodes, there's, and like you say, you're listening out for a certain. Instead of listening to the song as a whole, you're just listening out for the drums. You're just listening out for the bass. Even though you've listened to Faith No More for 30 years of your life and you've listened to Midlife Crisis 10,000 times, you hear things when you're listening out specifically for that instrument that you didn't hear before. And that's what I love about mm. Faith No More. You, know, you will always get that. And I'm not sure you get that with a lot of bands. No, and I mean, the reason I love Faith No More was Mike Patton. And we've both talked about being Patton fanboys mm. and that probably couldn't do this podcast if it was all just Patton fanboy mm. talk. But it, was, it started with reading uh, Small Victories and coming to appreciate Chuck's part in the band and Faith No More's evolution, that it made me appreciate what they did and that gave me a new insight. And then looking at or listening to Borden's drums across the first three albums, and I've said this before, We Care A Lot, Introduce Yourself and The Real Thing are probably the three closest sounding albums yeah. out of their entire catalogue, musically. When you get to Angel Dust, it just is a whole new ballgame. Yeah. And then from there, they never really returned to exactly that, you know, that form. They, they even themselves, they, they wanted to stay away from being formulaic as a band. There's not, there's not more I could say on that, except for I would probably at this point would start to talk about the Booger, the Booger Daggers. Yes. Because they influenced so much of the sound of those first three albums. And then we get those little glimpses, you know, like we talk about um, the chorus of Crack Hitler. You know, there's, there's just glimpses. There's moments in Be Aggressive, Cookie for Kaka, Ugly in the Morning. So the, the reason why we call it a booger dagger for anyone who hasn't and doesn't want to listen to 37 episodes before we explain it, it's pretty much because it sounds like booger, booger, dagger, booger, 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 dagger, booger, 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 dagger, booger. And at some point I was making that sound and you said, are you just saying booger daggers? And that's, that's what we call yep. it now. So the way the booger dagger works – and this is foundational through many of his beats. If you just do a straight four count, one, two, three, four, and what he'll do is he'll count the one, two, three, four in his hi-hat. So he's just doing one, two, three, four. Sometimes he'll play eights and one and two and three, but it's usually, usually a four. 
You'll do the one, two, three. And then if you imagine the toms going, blum, blum, snare, blum, blum, blum. So I'll say, tom, tom, snare, tom, 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 snare. But then he's also flaming those. So which is why I'm saying, blum. So it's like, blum, blum, snare. Like, because he double hits the snare. Blum, blum, snare, blum. And then on each of the off beats, he hits the kick, which is what makes it so unusual because the kick is usually the one or it's the on beat. You know, they say four to the floor because four to the floor means, you know, four counting one, two, three, four. Yeah. The, the four's counted on the hi-hat and then he's usually moving around something to do with toms and it's usually always that traditional beat of the one, two, three. The three's the snare. Dun, dun, ba, dun, boom, dun, ba. He's doing boom, boom, ba, boom, 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 ba, boom, boom. And then you can imagine the kick and I'm putting little audio snippets under that and that... It's an alter, it's an alternation of that that approach to a lot of the songs, yeah. and there's so much that Bill can do with that. And then you put the the soaring keys over the top, and then it just creates all that space. And I think too that and that, good because this is something I wanted to say as well. Early Faith No More was founded around the jams they had in the vats. Mm-hmm. You know, they used to rehearse in these. They were um, abandoned. Abandoned. So there were these old abandoned beer vats in San Francisco and didn't, like, weren't there homeless people yeah, there and yeah, some yeah. people, was that the story? There were, there were the homeless people that would live in these old abandoned beer vats, but then some bands would, like, share re- rehearsal space. Uh, and you can imagine the thunderous sort of sound that would happen in there, which is perfect for Faith No More. And the way the, the, way the drums would have sounded in there, I, I, I want to put it to the band that what they should do next like if you could, if you actually, if you could write an email to Mike yes. Borden and just say, could, could you do a back to the vats EP? <laughs> back to the vats. Like, like Weezer did. Yeah. Weezer did back to the shack, I think. So back to the vats and like just, just an EP, like four songs. But, you know, the guys would say, they'd say that they would rehearse in these vats and just spend hours cycling over the same things. And Bill Gould said he, they would record tapes and he would go driving and just let these things just play. And you start to hear things, like because it becomes sort of psychedelic and sort of monotonous and you start to create things out of these monotonous sounds and they would jam. And I think a lot of the early Faith No More stuff evolved out of these jamming moments where mostly Bill and Mike Borden were just playing over and over and yep. over until they locked into something. Yeah, until they found a groove. really grooved. Yep. And then they would take that groove and that would be the root of a song. And then Roddy yes. and yep. Jim and Chuck would build on top of that to create a three-minute song. Yeah, that's exactly how these, these it works. And that's sort of what I miss about, like, I mean, your favourite album's Angel Dust, my favourite album's King for a Day. Mm. However... Those first three albums, I miss that. Found, yeah, this Fern Foundation sound, you only yeah. find it on those three albums and glimpses on the further albums. And it would be nice if yeah. they returned to that styling. I don't think they ever would. If they went back to the vats. They've all, they've all matured and progressed since the, that early sound. You know, because when you listen to, when I first listened to the real thing, that sound was what I fell in love with, as long with Mike Patton's voice. And then when yeah. I then went backwards and discovered we care a lot and introduce yourself. That sound was still there. It was just a different singer over the top. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it is Mike Borden. A lot of it is this galloping, repetitive, 
bullshit that we love so much. Yeah. But if, we, if we're going to stick on this, this kind of era, I'd yep. like to speak about Chinese arithmetic, because that kind of breaks the mold ever so slightly. Yeah, and it sure. was conceived completely by Mike Bordin when they were at the Atlanta Metroplex in mm-hmm. about yep. 1986, I think it was. I don't know what you're going to, I don't know what you're going to say here. Really quickly, have you noticed the, the drum beat, like the boom, boom, da, da, boom, boom, ba, boom, ba, ba, boom, boom, ba, boom, ba, and you got that tick, tick, yes. tick, tick, yeah, yeah, yeah. over the but top? you hear that. It's not hi-hats. It's no, not no, hi-hats. No, no, it's the, He's the tapping the, the, uh, the rim of yeah. the tom. Well, that's the same in We Care A Lot. Oh, is it the rim of the rack tom? Same in We Care A Lot. You hear that same. So it's like, dum, dum. Ah, yeah. And you hear it. You hear that yeah, in the background, yeah. Uh, and yeah, that yeah. was That's part of what I was, what I was going to say. What? Okay, it's Sorry. your podcast, you mate. Isn't it? Uh, but Mike Borden <laughs> says, uh, "I wrote it on the stage at the Metroplex just one afternoon when there was no show. My drums were up, and I started playing that intro to it. I started playing the drum beat because it sounded so good in there." It was the room like on Broadway, like a miniature Brixton Academy with a little balcony, high roof, and it naturally sounds big. There's natural ambience. Stuff like rims and clicking aren't lost. It's got every element of faith no more. And there you go, you know, he's, he's basically, in that quote, he's basically encompassed everything you've just said about the environment, the sound of the room, yeah. and, you know, the yeah. clicking, the clicks, yeah. you know, all that's in there. And yeah, I, I would say that Chinese arithmetic. I think it was in my top ten. It's is in my the top 10. song from Introduce Yourself that is Mike Borden to me. That's the Mike Borden song from that album. Yeah, well, you've got Chinese arithmetic, but the other one that I feel as though is like quintessential, but you know, one of the the drum songs. I mean, the whole of Introduce Yourself is littered with drum magic moments, drum magic mm. moments, Borden. Uh, spirit and excellence further down the road have you ever noticed what have you ever noticed and this is just a little side note have you ever noticed that uh, spirit and greed have a similar vibe both start with a little acapella greed starts on we care a lot he says over the hills they came from the uh, and then uh, Spirit of Spirit and Excellence and they go dun dun and they, you know both just have like a similar similar thing and then lots of intensity and lots of drum intensity and I feel as like the the spirit the spirit thing the boom boom ba boom boom ba a little bit different not quite the straight up booger dagger there's a whole history connected to the song Spirit yes you hear moments uh, it was a Popo Pie we first heard some some improv vocals over the top? Yeah, it was called something along the lines of ja- the Jamil song or something. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Jam- Jamal, I think the song was called. And it uses the same lyrics and... Yeah, the further down the road bit. I, f- mm-hmm. I, I think we, I think if we throw right back to the first episode you and I ever did together, mm-hmm. introduce yourself. Did I we do talk feel, about it then? We did talk about it, and I, I do feel as though that... That demo, or was it demo or live? One of them. It's from Joe's third record. Mm, I ah. think it's out. It's out oh, there. I, there was I, a bit of audio. I, I recall. Yeah. Anyway, just I, just the drums. And in thinking about that, and then reviewing my notes, we do get some very noticeable hi hat in that. You know, 
I'm further down the road. Bum, bum, tss, tss, bum, bum, yes. Yeah, very, very straight hi-hat. So it's in there. It's in there. But there's some, just again, some good drumming. Do you have anything more to say about Introduce Yourself before we move forward chronologically with some more I've album I've got to talk? say this. F&M fact right on. It's an F&M fact right on. That's good. Got an F&M fact. So okay. I probably should have done this FNM fact earlier, but um, did you know that Mike Bordin was christened Puffy by Jim Martin because of his Afro yep. hairstyle? Oh, you knew that. Yep. Yeah, I think yep. most faith them fans know that. Really, there's a yeah. famous yearbook photo of Mike Bordin sporting said hairstyle, which if you haven't seen it, uh, just type Mike Bordin into Google Images and it'll come up, and it's quite funny. Similar to the back Not for of Mike. the We Care a Lot <laughs> album, because We Care a Lot album much, cover more, has much a more puffy than that. Puffier again, puffier. Yeah, even puffier. I did just see, and I, I think, look, admittedly, I think it was Wikipedia, uh, also known as Puffster. Now, how yeah. commonly did Puffster ever really come up, or was that just another bullshit Wikipedia moment? Well, well, I've got a couple of things from articles mm. that said that at one point it was called Motormouth, and then at one point it was called Grandpa, other nicknames for him. Oh, well, yeah, I've, okay. I've never heard them in any other articles, just this one article they popped up in. Okay. All right, carry on with the story of Mike Bodine. Okay. To be honest with you, the story of Mike Bodine doesn't go on that much longer. I think I've got two more sections, so if you were bored earlier on in the episode... Bored, bored don't worry. Yeah, if you were bored in of bored... Nick stealing my jokes. If you were bored in of bored in, then... <laughs> Don't worry, you ain't got long left to go. Right, cue the music. I don't know what music, but it is, but cue the music. So, Something there. Faith No More, yep, they've released We Care A Lot. And on October the 4th, 1986, Faith No More played a show at Humboldt. All right, is that how you say that? Humboldt. Humboldt. Yeah, just, State just University. Humboldt. Oh, Humboldt. Um, State, <laughs> State University in Arcta. And none other than Mike Patton and Trey Spruance were in the crowd. Oh, I believe hey guys. Trey. <laughs> hey guys, that's, that's love to have you on the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I believe Trey was actually a bit of a fan of Faith No More. I think he had the Week Air a lot record, yeah. and Mike Patton just went along for the fun of it. But it was actually Mike Borden who received a copy of the Mister Bungle demo, Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny, from Trey at this show. Fun times. So I've got couple of quite long quotes here, so bear with me. So, these are from Mr. Bordin, 2016. We played the college up there with Chuck. It was a small college, but there was only three people in the audience. After the show, this guy comes up to us and says, Hey man, I'm really glad you played. Thanks for coming. But you understand, school's not in session yet, which is why nobody's here. So we played up there when the school is on vacation. But I'm talking to this guy and he was like, I got this band. Here, take my tape. He gives me the tape and we play it later doing whatever we were doing. And Jim loves it because it sounds like Slayer. It sounds like mm-hmm. speed metal with death growls and all this crazy stuff. And I'll never forget it. Jim turns around to us and says, This guy got to be some giant fat guy with all the pie guy in his voice. Do you like me? Little, yeah, that's uh, a good voice. It's fun, yeah. And as time goes by, and then we're looking for a new singer, Jim was like, let's get the big fat guy from Mr. Bungle. But the funny thing is, we saw them again when we did a tour of 20 or 30 shows with the Chili Peppers. Hmm. It was actually Hillel's last tour. It was very interesting. So this tour comes to San Francisco, and we're playing the Fillmore, and I see Mike Patton. So I go to him and say, 
Oh, I can't remember what I did for Puffy's voice. Hey, Jim really likes you and you should sing in our band. <laughs> but then Mike says to me, oh, we don't sound like that anymore. L- laughs and gives me another <laughs> demo tape, which was Bowl of Chili. And it was like, Fucking Madness meets James Bond. It was this super spy ska music, and it was awesome. And I was like, oh, it's Puffy's voice now. Oh, hey, dude, I'm I'm so glad you don't sound like that anymore, because that was so wants to be so one-dimensional. And he was like, yeah, man. That was the one thing that gave him maybe even a second of thinking about joining our band, that we would be available or open to evolution. Because I didn't say, oh, fuck that. You got to sound like the region ref of Easter Bunny guy, because that's what you do. I just think in that regard, right there, that's really the thing that happened with Mr. Bungle. They evolved and we applauded it. Well, three of the four guys in the band applauded it. Ha ha ha. <laughs> and by the time we were considering him to replace Chuck, he was already onto something else. Ha ha ha. That's l- laughs in commas. Yeah. yeah. As we all know, it wasn't until a year after that that Mike Patton became Faith the Moor's lead singer. Mm-hmm. And before they employed Mike Patton, uh, when the band were, were looking for a new singer, uh, Mike Bordin actually asked Slash from Guns N' Roses to distribute an ad, ad through their network, but Slash never did it. Oh, Slash. Love to have you on the show, but seriously, come on. Yeah, come on, Slash. You fucking big head. Right, um, yeah, so that's the beginning then now of the real thing era. Here we go. Good voices, by the way. That was fun. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, um, I'm not going to continue with those voices. So the first thing about the real thing era is, so when when obviously Partner joined the band and they went on tour, they did that tour with Metallica. I think it was the Justice for All tour in 1989. And obviously Mike Borden's connections with... Metallica with with Cliff and uh, James Hetfield. They had in some way enabled Faith No More to do the tour with Metallica. And obviously this tour, Faith No More weren't really suited to the crowd. The crowd, I think there's there's quotes of saying that the crowd hated Faith No More to begin with. But it it widened their audience. Mm. And it also made Metallica look a bit cool because they had this up-and-coming fresh new band as the support band. Well, Metallica was super into it. Metallica... Yeah. made comments about it being, you know, the best album of the year or most interesting album or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, They're yeah, listening yeah, to a lot yeah. of it. Yep, but, yep. but they were obviously, the, the roots go back further than that. I think James Hetfield had the Faith The More t-shirt on in Ross Halfin promo photos yes, when Chuck was in yep. the band. Yeah, well, he was in the end. I would say Metallica clip, have always championed Faith No More. Mm. I mean, there's something, there's something hip about championing the small guy, right? Like, yeah, which Faith No More did. I mean, yep. duh, t-shirts. Godflesh t-shirts. Sacred Reich t-shirts. Duh. 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 I said duh moments ago. That's what I meant. Duh. Duh. That one. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Um, Grotus. Yes. Yep. Look, all all of those. Yeah. It's a thing. And of course, Mike Borden used to wear a lot of Primus t-shirts. Yeah. I've got a quote from Puffy. Puffy, I said Puffy. No, I'm not going to read that. <laughs> you did before and I bit, let it go. It's a bit, it's a bit boring. Okay. Did I? Have I said that? Yeah, said that yeah, before? Did. Have I said Slips. Puffy? I'm sorry. Sorry, Mike, if you're listening. Sorry, Mike. We don't, we yep, don't call you Puffy. Love on the show. Yeah. Yeah, love to have show. Second thing I want to talk about from this era before we uh, get onto any music is what I mentioned earlier about being bullied or the butt of the band's jokes in the mm-hmm. press mm-hmm. during the Real Thing era. And this was due to Mike Borden's intense personality and his reluctance to party. 
So I've got a few quotes here that illustrate this intense personality and uh, a few that illustrate how the band would wind him up. So the first one's from 1990 in Melody Maker, and it's uh, Mike Borden. It's very important to me to play drums every night. That's the only thing in my life. It satisfies me most nights. That's the reason I'm here, not for the fucking social life. I hate parties. They make me uncomfortable. I like quiet. I know what I need to do in order to do what I have to do. Oh, yeah, there's the piss taking. But all that's just a bunch of words, and I'm not that interested in it. Then the uh, interviewer says, the rest of the band reckon you must have a very interesting view of them. And Mike Borden continues, like I notice, I observe, I catalogue, right? When I sit in the corner by myself, I'm not fucking spying on others. I'm there because I want to be. Simple. It's a fucking circus. But by the same token, I can't say the guys are dicks and three-year-olds. We've all got an intense amount of pride in what we do. And to maintain that, everybody has their own way. I just get uncomfortable in places, so I don't do it. Why should I? I relax or see a friend, one-on-one. It means more, rather than being hilarious. Hey, girls, want to see my tattoos? That interview continues, and then Jim Martin says, We're just trying to help Puffy. I'm his doctor. I took it upon myself to help this poor man. I figured I was stuck with him for a while. I had to do something. Look, he has talent, and that's for scamming free swag. Before, I used to do it for himself, and everyone else be damned. Now he's working for us. This is progress. If somebody has talent, and you think you're a wise man, if you can spot it and exploit it, not in a bad way, but to help them utilise it. That's the business we're in, isn't it? Exploitation. Sorry, I totally forgot while I was reading those that I had voices for each of those people. Yeah, look, I'm, 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 I'm doing my best to keep up, but it's all right. <laughs> That that's one quote. Was that a good quote? I did he like that quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It ties okay. in when it would, when would this have been time wise in comparison to when they played the Triple J show in Sydney? Ah, when, well, uh, that's coming. That's, that's coming. coming. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So in 1990, this one's from Enemy. The rest of the group tell me that the drummer Mike Bordin is a completely paranoid, b besotted with his fiance, and c a Russian Jew who will probably end up settling in Israel. I'm told to badger him with questions during my stay. They call him Puffy, a nickname he detests. Mike probably seems weird to the rest of the group because he's their sanest, most stable member. He tells me that he didn't go to the party because, in this game, you can only chase the wild Satan. In this game, you can only chase the same wild goose (laughs) around so often until you realise it's really not worth catching. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so I've got a couple of stories from this period in time. So, Gee whiz, yeah, okay, keep I know, going. Right, sorry, yep, sorry, yep. right, okay. So uh, do you remember the advertising campaign that Slash Records used uh, for the real thing? I'm going to when you say it. No, uh, on flyers, yet. it said, Axel Rose from Guns N' Roses says, Faith Them All are by far the best band I've ever seen. I am jealous. Hmm. Uh, also, there was a quote from Slash. You don't, have a, said, you don't have a voice for Axel? All right, okay, let me do Give it. us an Axel <clears throat> voice, come on. Right. <clears throat> Axel Rose from GNR says, Faith and I are the best band I've ever seen. I'm so jealous. <laughs> oh. But also, Slash said something like, oh, what did he say now? <laughs> uh, Faith No More are fucking brilliant. I think that was in a poster. And then there's a quote from the guy from Def Leppard. I could do um, Slash's voice as Droopy. <laughs> Go on then. Faith no more are fucking brilliant. 
That's that exactly what Slash sounds like. That's Imagine that with his long hair and his glasses yeah. on and his hat and he just sits saying, oh, star star <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> All right. Yep. Good. In interviewing Rolling Stone magazine, they brought this advertisement up and the band said how embarrassed they were about the shameless tactics used by Slash Records. Mm. And uh, Mike Bordin said, oh, I've forgotten Mike Bordin's voice. I'll just do I'm, Yeah, I'm done with voice now. It's like, can Axel Rose lend me 20 bucks? I mean, it's cool that those people gave quotes to help us, but it doesn't change your life. Now, this, this one sentence by Mike Bordin was brought up in like the next 10 magazine articles, and the band totally ripped the shit out of <laughs> Mike Bordin for saying it. I'm pretty sure Axel right. Rose sent Mike Bordin a, a, an envelope with 10 bucks in it. Books. I'm pretty sure it happened. Good. And then the second story I've got from the, the 90s is when Mike Bordin cracked his ribs bungee jumping while on tour in... New Zealand. So, yeah, so he did this. In fact, you know the story. You can continue because I'm fed up of talking, to be honest. Well, they performed in the wonderful country of Australia. They were in Sydney performing for Triple J's Live at the Wireless. Uh, I believe it was in front of a small studio audience. Uh, they did a fun little set. Great recording. Like it's a really, mm, it is, it's a yep, really yep, yep. enjoyable performance, and you can tell the band is quite relaxed and having a bit of fun. Uh, intro of Chinese arithmetic. Patton says, "You know, that word of the day is fuck." Fuck. And that's a bit of fun, isn't it? Swear words mm-hmm. on radio. You know, the, the the real thing. I think he introed it by saying, "Like uh, I wrote this song after my girlfriend left me for Sebastian Buck." Oh, good times. And then, uh, yeah, they, they they moved to War Pigs, which would obviously be the, I suppose, would have been the closing song of the set. At least it's the last song that features in the recording because, look, I, I haven't noticed it. Have you ever noticed? Apparently they were giving him a bit of shit all gig because, you know, he's in pain. He's struggling to get through it. And apparently they're giving him a hard time. I don't really hear any of those heckles or jabs through any nope. of the set. Um, so I don't know if they're pulling faces or if it's stuff that's cut out of the actual recording. Uh, yeah. But- well, the only card recording I've heard it is on YouTube, so it could have been very well edited. Yes, and the so they they're performing War Pigs. We get through the whole sort of first half of the song after the first you know guitar solo break and everything, and it comes back around for the second set of verses. Um, now in darkness, world stops turning. Being the lyric, and just as it comes mm-hmm. back, and then it just stops, and then they all and they all laugh, and then you hear Patton say, "Our drummer just threw a fit," and then they all say, "Get on the drums," and Patton performs, and the band don't know the lyrics, and it's actually it's a bit of fun, it's a good bit of fun to listen to. And why don't I just play that little portion? Why ever not? Doctor's words are turning. Come on, somebody get up here. <laughs> 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 
There it is. Thanks, Future Mike. I hate Future Mike. Well, I've got um, a, of course I've got a quote. Of course I have. I'm Mr. Quote Quoterson yeah. today, aren't I? Yeah. I've won awards for, for collecting quotes. Mike had hurt his back, so he was taping it up, and we were getting a kick out of that, which was making him really mad. He was having a hard time playing because he was in pain, and we were laughing at him. The four of us were teamed together, so we weren't going to let it annoy us. We were going to annoy him publicly. <laughs> So, so yeah, just an, another example of of the band ganging up on Mike. Do you suppose that's where the nickname Grandpa sort yeah, of probably. happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to talk about some songs from the Real Thing era? Do we? Yeah, look, again, I didn't, I didn't go song by song so much Mm-mm, and really no. go for major standouts. Uh, overall, you just hear an evolution in his approach to drumming. Yeah, he had a more conventional approach to the drums in my, you know, there, there are still some standout moments. I mean, surprise mm. your dead is pretty odd ball, you know, obviously written by Jim Martin with some interesting time signatures throughout a um, bit more unusual. There's the excellent, well, we'll come back to zombie eaters. Actually, there's some wonderful drumming in zombie eaters. Uh, let's quickly talk about, we, we do have the stems of uh, from out of nowhere. Do from it. the guitar hero thing, so I've got, ah. I've got, I've got the drums. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pick a spicy moment. But what you'll hear is that it's uh, much more straight ahead. You know, it's, I mean, it's a it's a four four rock song, Jim. You know, mm. it's, it's much more much more straight ahead. Um, but you know, always always still with some uh, wonderful uh, you know fills and movements into time i don't have truthfully i don't have a moment to sort of call out i just i just did a little bit of listening and went geez there's some good grooves going on in there so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna drop in a little bit of drums of from out of nowhere just to uh share some of that spiciness Thanks, Future Mike. Well, they came from out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Similar in terms of groove. I'm just going to skip skip the album. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, do Falling to Pieces, then Epic, and then we'll do, uh, we'll do Zombie Eaters. Um, Falling to Pieces, again, just really cool grooves, uh, obviously locking in with the, the bass guitar. Much more straight ahead sort of song. You know, we're getting some hi-hats. Um, but I, you know, again, just gonna, I don't have, actually, you know what? Mm-hmm. It's, this sounds, this sounds like I'm jumping all over the place, but I'm just, I'm just moving between notes. There is a really great video. It's on YouTube, uh, plug to the guy who made the video. His username is, uh, Edo Sala, 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 Edo being E-D-O. And then, oh, God, I can't even read my own writing, Jim. I think it's S-A-L-A. Yes. It's S-A-I-Y-A. No. 
No, it's not. S A L A, I believe. <laughs> Edo Sailor. Sala. Uh, it's Grooves video. The real thing. The real thing. Uh, drum grooves. And uh, he just jams along to some, uh, j- jams out some drum tracks. And because we don't have isolated drums for falling mm. to pieces, I'm just going to snatch a little bit of audio. Um, but go check out this dude's video. It's, it's, um, it's really good. So I'm just going to grab a little, little moment for y'all to hear. And then you're going to go, geez, that's good. I'm going to check out the whole video because he does some other stuff too. Um, so here's a little bit of falling to pieces. Thanks, Future Mike. And what you hear in that is it's just, again, you know, just more solid, nice, lovely grooves. Now, I do want to talk about Epic. And the reason I want to talk about Epic is because uh, we were talking earlier about the flams. Mm. And obviously, we've got the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
just come the same yeah. haircut you had when you were 12. Yeah. Well, I mean, these things, yeah. these Wear things the same cycle around. I've had the same cats pajamas. Uh, you know, these things cycle around every 20 years or so, don't they? Mm. Yeah. And look, I'm not wearing my waffle pants tonight, so I don't have to carry on. But, you know, I mucked around mm. in sort of a high school band and sort of just, you know, jammed with some dudes in the music rooms at lunchtime and that sort of thing. But the first band I ever performed live in was a Faith No More cover band. And uh, I, I recall that the drummer, the original drummer that was in that Faith No More cover band quit and we did some auditions and this guy came in for an audition and he just said, look, honestly, I've only rehearsed. I know one song, it's Zombie Eaters. Can I, um, you know, can we run that and then, you know, see how it all goes? And the dude nailed it. And I'll get to the sound sample in a section, in a second. The, the, the verse sections of this song, like the heavy verse sections, um, hey, look at me, lady, I'm just a little baby, that, that bit. Mm-hmm. And so it continues throughout. You know, a lot of the heavy parts, you get these great sort of Tom runs uh, and he moves, you know, he moves around the, the you know, the, the, the higher rack Tom, then the middle rack Tom, and then he does the lower Toms and you hear that cycle. So I will play that in a moment. But when we auditioned this dude to try out for this Faith No More cover band, he nailed it and it blew me away. It was the first experience I'd ever had of being in a band and paying atten- so much attention to the drums and just being blown away by it and we offered the guy the spot in the band and then he for whatever reason couldn't be in the band and i think he just showed up so that he could just have a jam along on that one song it was a bit weird but uh or could it be that he came along he met you and thought I don't want to be in a band <laughs> fucking Aussie wanker fucking drongo <laughs> <laughs> i gotta I, I gotta say i did get a sense that maybe he was a little bit too good for the rest of us like he saw our standard and went yeah, we weren't actually up to his caliber, but uh, yeah. can I just interject here and just just quickly? Mm, um, mm. It reminds me of our first drummer in Happiest Fish, the band I was in, uh, who's still my best friend to this day. There were a few arguments, and he ended up leaving. And then we auditioned a couple of drummers, and this one guy turned up, and uh, he was quite a, like a, a, a kind of stoner dude. And we played, we had a little jam and he was good on the drums and we're thinking, yeah, this guy might be able to fit in. Anyway, so he sits down and he starts telling us about how his, his dad has got this villa uh, near this lake in somewhere in America. And he said um, that um, Stephen Tyler lived next door. So he used to hang around when he went to see his dad in America with Stephen Tyler's kids. Mad. And he'd met Stephen Tyler a few times. So I'm thinking... Get this guy in the band, man. You know, free holidays to America and we get to knock around with Steve and Tyler. It'd be brilliant. Anyway, everything was going great until he pulled out a spoon, put a lighter underneath it and then proceeded to inject heroin into his veins. In front of you all? In front of us all. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Turns out he was a a complete smackhead. And after about another 30 minutes of drumming, obviously we were thinking we need to get this guy out of here. I mean, we were stoners, but we never tried heroin. He just collapsed behind the kit. I just laid there no for shit. about an hour. Then he got up and he went, right, I think I'm going to go, guys. Just let us know what you think, yeah? And left left the rehearsal space. No shit. I couldn't tell you his name or anything, but it was a very surreal experience. I think I got to that point where, you, you know, you smoke enough weed you start being a bit trippy and i think the next day i actually had to ring the bassist up was and say did that actually happen last night? <laughs> it's such a private thing normally you know people are usually very secretive about it so that's um 
That's wild. He was a wild guy. Yeah. Uh, needless to say, he didn't get the job. No. No. I mean, if, if he can only last half an hour and then pass out <laughs> for an hour, it makes collapses. kinks really difficult. Yeah, yeah. Well, let, let me let me drop this uh, little audio sample in. So, uh, Zombie Eaters. It's not that s- guy, is it? it? I'll use the grooves video from uh, our mate. No, I mean, it's not the guy that I've just been talking about. I think it could be. I mean, oh, I don't want to diss this Ido Sala guy, but let's- um, it could, That could be him. Ido <laughs> Sala was the he's guy. Doing, he's doing he's well the, these the heroin days. guy. But I'll, I'll just play a little sample just so you I can hear some familiar. drums isolated. Now, obviously, this isn't Mike Borden, but it is- the drum beat, and then obviously it gives you a better ear for what's happening in the song when uh, Mike Borden's playing it. So a uh, little bit of zombie eaters. Just listen to the cycle around of the toms, the pictures of the toms and how it, what would you say? Like it accentuates, but it, it punctuates, you know, the the intensity of the song depending on which tom he's hitting in which part. And you know, it makes the, the um, little pubic hairs on your balls tingle. out to anyone out there that had uh, tingling pubes for that. Love to have you on the ship. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, we could, we could, we don't need to go through everything song by song. That would, that was all no. the notes that I had for the real thing. I've got one more song. I just want to say that, but when people talk about Mike Borden, they tend to focus on the, the toms a lot. Mm-hmm. And you focused obviously on the, the, the lack of hi-hat and the use of hi-hat. But I think when you listen to a song like The Real Thing, the song The Real Thing, it's mm-hmm. reminiscent of Bill Ward, the drummer out of, of Sabbath, to begin mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can also hear that on Warpigs, obviously, because that's Bill Ward's original drum lick that uh, Mike Bodin is, is, is imitating. But mm-hmm. I think the mm-hmm. snare comes into play a lot as well. And obviously the bounce on the snare that we've talked about and the, the kickback and the, the flam and all that, but mm-hmm. just just the solid hits on the real thing of the snare and the sound that, uh, we haven't mentioned him yet this episode, but the sound that Matt Wallace gets mm-hmm. of that snare in the real thing is just out of this world. You're talking about the, uh, you're talking again about the going beyond the edge of the world. Yeah. <laughs> And the fills that he does, that you know, he, he does fills not on the toms but on the snare in that song. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and they just oh, boom shakalak. That's, <laughs> that's the way I like to describe them. <laughs> boom shakalaka. The are you also referring to the intro drum beat where we've got the rim shots? Where he yes, rests? yeah, that, yeah. Uh, yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. That that is just. Have I said this? I mean, earlier on in the episode, I don't know, but. I have. No, I said that Mike has got an, an instantly recognisable sound, but he's also mm. got signature beats that are instantly recognisable. And if you didn't have the music over the top of them, even if you weren't a uh, Faith the Morgoon like we are, you'd know which song it was. Like, obviously, We Care A Lot, Midlife Crisis, and The Real Thing. You know, these songs, as soon as he goes... Everybody in the crowd knows exactly what's coming. Yeah. And sure. I love yep. that. You know, there's not many bands that have those instantly recognizable beats or even signature. start a song with a drum beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah signature yeah. drum beats. And Mike Bodin is just a master of those. And even songs that don't start with the drums, like, say, Ugly in the Morning or um, Digging the Grave, if you took the music away, you'd immediately recognize that song. Yeah. Even sure. if you weren't a Faith No More fan. 
Well, also the 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 control, the the, the ability. I, I know that way back the, the the real thing episode when I did that one with Adrian, I d- I did talk about this, but a rim shot yeah. is a um a rim. Oh, sorry, I'm saying rim shot, which is when you hit a snare, but you also when yep. you smack it so hard, you hit the center of the snare along with collecting mm-hmm. the uh, the rim. But the uh, the the stick, the, the oh, fucking what's it called? The the click. I, I did this in this. I remember doing this in that episode, and this was years yep. ago. Click, tick, click. Um, the stick. Bingo. Click, the click. The click. The rim click. The rim. The rim click. Click, tick, click. God damn! I can't believe I don't have the technical name for it if you want to do some googling and save me i'd appreciate it but the the, the that boom the control that's required resting the stick on the drum and then tapping the rim of the snare but to get a consistent sound every time for a drummer is very difficult and he just nails it i'm just getting rim shot rim shot yeah but funnily enough, if you put rim shot into Google, it comes up with some rather filthy looking sexual behavior as well. Oh, yeah, that's going to happen. Mm. Careful of Google. Yeah. Rim yeah. click. Look, everyone knows rim what click. Rim click. Rim click. Rim click. Yeah. Oh, look, rim I, click. I'm sure I said that as well. And uh, look, I just said signature sound, and I felt like that was, you know, a, a very poorly executed segue. But I do have a note here where I feel like now's as good a time as any. To mention, uh, you know, it did come up in the emails that he does have a signature snare drum. I haven't talked about the size of his drums, though. Mm. We haven't talked about <laughs> Mike Borden's drum. And, like, Is that a euphemism? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just... Oh, it's, it's just it's the size of his drums. Right, yeah, it's okay. the size of his... <laughs> so a uh, conventional drum kit, let's say a standard kit, you would have a... Let's just stick with it being a 22-inch bass drum. And mm-hmm. your toms will be 12, 13, and 16-inch snare drum, 14-inch. Snare drum's pretty consistently 14-inch. You know, I mean, mm. you can the, – there are some variations, but the, the, you know, very conventional to have a 14-inch snare drum. But uh, standard drum kit, 12, 13, 16 for toms. Um, the, the What was better known, at least in terms of shop talk and, you know, selling drum kits, uh, a jazz kit was more known for having perhaps a 20-inch bass drum. Mm-hmm. Uh, even 18-inch, but that's getting a bit smaller. But the 10, 12, and 14-inch toms. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mike Borden, no. No, he's going for that Bill Ward sort of sound. He uses a 14- and 15-inch rack and then an 18-inch floor tom. Mm-hmm. That's how he gets that thunderous sound and a 24-inch kick. May I ask whereupon you got this information? Uh, actually, I talked to a drummer friend to get this information. From... HM Magazine in November 95 says here, drums, 13 by 15 and 14 by 16 toms, 16 by 18 floor tom, 24 bass drum, and a 13 by 7 inch snare. I feel as though they've got the depths and the widths back to front or something. Look, I got 14, 15, and 18. I want to run with it. Let's just make the difference. Yeah, but it assists my narrative about his drum kit being thunderous (laughs) and enormous. So I'd, I'd just, you know, I'd rather just. Pretend I'm... Oh, some, I'd not read this article before. We, we a bit poorly researched of me, but uh, I'd not read this article before preparing for this podcast. There's some great quotes in here. I've got the physical magazine. 
in a little folder. It says here about his drumsticks. First, you take off all the varnish around the stick with sandpaper, not smoothing it out just to get it so it hasn't got that glossy, slippery finish. Then you go round the stick with pliers and groove it out so that it cuts into the stick and splinters it up. Hmm. So, sounds like some something off the film Saw. Similar. <laughs> Similar, but you won't lose any limbs. Yeah, mm. look, uh, even though you're Mr. Quotey McQuote Pants, uh, and I was just talking about Bill Ward as well, um, <laughs> I did say that I was going to drop in a soundbite from uh, Joe Wong. Oh, so, um, not sure. I just want to share what Mike Borden had to say mm. about um, Bill Ward and his approach to the drums. Like finding and your that's voice. Exciting. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think, yeah, as I said before, it's like, that's the beauty of music or art or, 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 or painting or writing or whatever. If you can express yourself, if you can find your voice and really express yourself, there's no satisfaction like that satisfaction. And, yeah, I do. I think that that's when I started scratching the itch that I had, you know, because I, I never, you know, really left, you know, Bill Ward, you know. And, and if, you, if you know about him, there's a thing I think that's super important, and it sounds kind of stupid, but – if you look at volume four, the album volume four, the, uh, the center, it's an opening, it's a gatefold. And if you open it up, there's, there's portraits of each of the band members there. And if you look at the portrait of Bill, that's what it's about for me. It's about a dude that's completely in a trance. He's, his passions and, and, and his, his, his heart and his balls have carried him somewhere where he doesn't even know where the hell is. His eyes are closed. Is covered in sweat, and both of his sticks are butt end sticks, big giant ass butt end sticks, and they're both up above his head, ready to come down. And to me, that's what a flam sounds like. And people say, "Oh, you know, you do these flams," and that was interesting at that time. You know, uh, there's an album on there, on a song called Supernaut that he did, and it's only one. There's only one, but it's like. I wanted that power, you know, I wanted that power for everything. You know, I wanted, that's, that's where I wanted to live. I didn't want to just sort of visit there once in a while, you know, once a song before the solo and, you know, after the second chorus, you know, and you have four counts to do something. I wanted to live there the whole time, you know. Thanks, Future Mike, again. Thank you, Future Mike. Mate, where do you want to take it from here? Because I, I didn't venture into the drum so much and, you know, we've, we've just dissected Angel Dust track by track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was lots of drum talk going throughout all of that. Again, we see a sort of mishmash of approach, you know, some conventional drumming, you know, straight ahead, things like uh, kindergarten is my example of something more straight ahead. Um, you know, we still get some booger dagger moments in like Be Aggressive and uh, Crack Hitler, Slow Down, uh, Land of Sunshine, Boom, ba da ba da boom, that kind of thing. Obviously, you've got your signature drum beat in there with midlife crisis instantly recognizable and i think it's worth saying as well that image of the last episode when he's playing midlife crisis on uh, mtv hanging with mtv and Mm -hmm. you do see this a lot with mike that the whole drum kit shakes when he hits it the whole drum kit vibrates he hits it that Mm. hard but i think my favorite drum beat on Angel Dust is Everything's Ruined or Jizz Lobber. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. The only really no as you said, we 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 exhausted talking about Angel Dust over the last year. So mm-hmm. if you want to listen to us talking about Angel Dust drum beats, then go back and listen to the last fucking fifteen episodes. Mm. 
Yeah, what a ride. I've not really got much more, like I said, on the Mike Boarding story. However, when I was doing the research for this, I found, I mean, it's a video that I've uploaded to YouTube and it's on the show MTV The End, which I'm assuming was a European show because it was presented by a rather young Davina McCall. Um, do you know mm-hmm. Davina McCall? No. She did um, Big Brother in this country. Oh. Uh, yeah. But this is before she became a household name. And there's like a spot on the show where Dean Mentor and Mike Patton are playing chess. But there's also a little spot on the show called Do It With Puffy. And Mike Bordin is demonstrating the proper way to pot plants. Oh. And he certainly gets into it and he certainly knows what he's doing. So we can, we could probably say that Mike Bordin is a quite a keen gardener as well. There you go. I've not seen that one. Not done research yeah. there, have you? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, we, we've, we've alluded a couple of times to me doing a Faith No More cover band uh, again. Uh, I'm doing that. Doing that hopefully soon. Um, that's all inspired by the fact that Faith No More have got shows cancelled, and I just said to some friends, "Do you want to just put together some shows? We're not going down the whole tribute band thing. I'm playing mm. dress ups or anything. Uh, we're just gonna, you know, we're just gonna hopefully at least play a few shows in Sydney, uh, and it's just gonna be a bit of fun. It's not a cash grab or any kind of long winded sort of thing that I want to invest a whole lot of my time into. But we just want to do Unlike some shows with some Faith No More. Your description songs. of it, which is very long winded. I tried I tried to keep it condensed. I guess I was just talking fast in an effort to keep it brief. But the reason why I just I do mention it fleetingly is uh that the drummer in the band, uh, shout out Craig, love to have you on the show. Shout Craig. Uh, who also played on the first two uh, EPs of 8BC, incidentally. <sighs> but his his style uh, has always sort of reminded me of Mike Borden and there's a, you know, there's a lot of similarities in the way that he plays especially on the toms. But I did discuss with him um, a lot of this. So a lot of my understanding and the approach to the drums did come from a conversation I had with Craig. Um, And the one little note that I sort of wanted to include was that he said the thing that he finds in rehearsals is that, you know, we'll run through an hour, an hour and a half set. And he said it's not just that your body is going at 100% the whole time because he hits the shit out of the drums. He said like – He's exhausted at the end of rehearsals because he's just got to put everything into it to get the sound and to do all the playing. And he said, but it's not just that your body's going 100%. Did he fall asleep after half an hour of playing the kit, though? No. Yeah. No. He's a might might have a couple of beers through rehearsal, but he's uh, otherwise he's uh, otherwise you know looking after himself. Not jacking him, uh, jacking up now. No, he's not. No. 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 Possibly jacking off. Uh, but he, he did say that uh, not only is he going 100% in, you know, in his body application, but he said it's like 100% brain activity the whole time too because mm. the, the parts themselves are interesting and you know, there's always something interesting going on in the parts, but also the fills between each section as well. He said he's, he's got to pay just total attention not only to how he's playing and what his body's doing, but also uh, the, the actual the parts themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I guess I want to mention that because it's just, again, more mad props to Mike Borden and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, his writing as much as his playing. Well, I've got a couple of songs written down for King Fred Airfield for a lifetime that particularly mm-hmm. stand mm-hmm. out to me. Mm-hmm. Digging the Grave is the obvious one. The uh, middle eight, I think we've mentioned it in this episode already. The 
I love the fact that they all drop out and they give him his, his little moment and it's it's signature you know you, 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 you recognise you know that's coming you know what it sounds like and I love it uh, Cook of Kaka has got too. the Bugger Daggers Bugger Daggers what a day I love the kit on that and I love watching that live it's another one where his whole kit Mm. rattles when he's playing it but the one that intrigues me the most is Evidence I think I've mentioned on Podcast Croissant before that I believe that Mike Borden is a collector of of records and he loves his jazz it's apparent Mm. in a lot of interviews that he likes jazz music and that'll stem all the way back to those early teachings he had when he was told to listen to was it the Tony Williams band or something and Evidence is pretty much the only song actually maybe um, Edge of the World but Evidence is the real song that illustrates his, his love for that kind of music and it also shows mm-hmm. a different side of, of Mike we're usually mm-hmm. used to him beating the shit out of his drums and playing bugger daggers and playing hard rock but this is something very different for him mm-hmm. I mean he still he still knocks the shit out of his kit when he plays it he doesn't play it he doesn't tap the kit he doesn't get the brushes out and play it lightly still hitting it yeah yep. Yep. I like the fact that he's a versatile experimental drummer that can adapt to the songs at Faith Am I Right? Yeah, totally. I mean, as you say that too, and I, 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 I don't have any further examples of any specifics. Um, but even as you mentioned that, like uh, King for a Day is would be the most diverse album because aside from Evidence, you know, Star AD, yeah, uh, Carol Voador, play the sample, Caralho Voador. Thanks, Rodrigo. And, uh, you know, even uh, Take This Bottle, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, parts of Just a Man, you know, like just the the smooth grooves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of attitude. Tell me a story, Jim. Yeah, so we're going into the album of the year era of Faith No More. And again, there's not a lot to say other than when Faith No More split in 1998, the band famously and comically blamed Mike Borden. Oh, that's right. Puffy started it. Puffy started it. They claimed that he'd left the band to join Ozzy Osbourne, which he did. Mm-hmm. But I think Mike Borden, you know, got offered the Ozzy Osbourne gig and Faith Them All were in that end game. They were in that kind of funeral procession mode. And yep, yep. that was the end of, of Faith No More of the 90s. Yeah. Well, I would, look, I there's some there's still some good diversity across album of the year. Pristina and Strip Search. Yes, Pristina's when I got You know, I, I, I know that you've said before that you don't love Homesick Home. I really love the groove of that. I love the, the tempo fluctuation as well, <laughs> uh, especially live. <laughs> it's the only Faith the More song I don't like. Oh, it's fun. It's good fun. Boom, ba doom, boom, doom, doom, doom. I mean, it's more the bass line. But yeah, the, uh, the, the, there's, I, I guess, a lot that could be said for any of album of the year you know a lot of that's sort of been covered in talking about some other songs mm-hmm. uh, there was nothing specifically that you know there's some odd odd uh, dynamic occurring through well actually there's some odd there's, there's some odd dynamic through mouth to mouth is what I was going to say but also naked in front of the computer being a pattern song and also got that feeling a um, little bit more there's a, there's a bit of a percussion thing going on in mouth to mouth as mm-hmm. well that's a bit of fun but yeah there's nothing nothing specifically that I would call upon 
to sort of expand any further on the on the drum parts. I, mean, I know that we had the email before saying that Ashes to Ashes is but sig- that's another signature awesome. beat, isn't it? Yeah, I do think that Mike Borden is possibly the strongest performance on album of the year. Hmm. I don't think that Bill Gould's bass playing is as prominent and as eccentric and as 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 fun as the previous albums. We can't really judge John because it's his first album with Faith No More. Roddy Bottom is a little bit constricted on there as well. If you compare him to, even compare him to uh, King for a Day Full for a Lifetime, where he, he, he's not on the full album. And Mike Patton, yeah, I think Mike Patton's lost something on Album of the Year. Yeah, well, that was the album, first time that he recorded in his yeah, own space yeah. and not with the band there is a slight disjointed component to it yeah you know, I stand by my statement that I think Mike Borden is the most hmm. uh, he shines the most on that album yeah I don't think Mike Borden gave anything less than a thousand percent on that album well did you want to move along to the the, the Ozzy Osbourne talk yeah should we talk about Ozzy yeah we've spoken earlier about the, the massive influence Black Sabbath had on Mike's Life and you know, associating those early memories with with Cliff Burton and Black Sabbath stayed with Mike throughout his life. Mike first played with his hero Ozzy Osbourne at the R.I.P. Rip Magazine birthday show in Hollywood on November the 9th, 1990. And you can see footage of that on YouTube when Ozzy joined Faith No More on stage for their, their rendition of, of Warpigs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At that point, Mike was obviously able to sit down with Ozzy and just explain to him how much his music had changed his life. So yeah, I've got a quote uh, from Mike here, which is from 2015. Um, so Ozzy Osbourne said, you guys are so different. Oh, I'll do a voice for you, Ozzy. All right. <clears throat> Ozzy Osbourne said, you guys are so different. Why did you do Warpigs? <laughs> Are you taking the piss? And I said, no. (laughs) Mike Bonnie's not from Liverpool, is he? Mike Bonnie said, no, Black Sabbath is super important to my life. And I owe a lot, if not all the path I have taken to that early influence. And he remembered that. A couple of years later, he was coming out of retirement on that Osmosis tour. And we were just finishing the King for a Day tour. And we both played shows together in South America. And he remembered that we were pretty strong on stage. And so he liked what we were doing. And we talked a little more. And we were going home and he was just starting. And he called after we went home. A couple of weeks later, he said, do you want to come and play? And I said, of course, I'd love to. Huh. Yeah. And in 1996, Mike was invited to join Ozzy's band. Um, and I believe that there was a crossover where Faith No More, uh, Mike was playing with Faith No More and Ozzy, which would suggest why, you know, that the uh, um, the fabric began to tear. And we dis- we discussed that when we were in his album of the year. Have we done an album of the year? So yeah, we have. We discussed that in his album of the year episodes that everybody was doing their own things and Faith No More became, became the side band for most of the members. During the 1997 OzFest tour, Mike played with Black Sabbath, filling in for Bill Ward, who was suffering health issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Mike played with Ozzy Osbourne. He was with Ozzy Osbourne from 1996 to 2010, uh, with, huh. a, with a year off uh, the year 2000. He went on to record some studio albums with Ozzy. He did Down to Earth in 2001. 
Undercover yep. in 2005, Black Rain in 2007, as well as Live at Budokan in 2002, and the re-recordings of Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman. Mike left Ozzy's band when Faith and More reunited, but during his time with Ozzy, he obviously struck up a great friendship with the now Metallica bassist, Robert T. Sure, here. <laughs> Yeah. I never figured this out, that Robert T left Ozzy's band, joined Metallica, and mm-hmm. Jason Newstead left Metallica and joined Ozzy's band. Is that what happened? That's what yeah. happened, isn't it? Yeah, so the Down to Worth album, I remember when that came out, because I remember buying it because the lineup on that had Zach Wilde on guitar and Robert Trujillo on bass, and mm. that was a good time. And I, I remember the opening track of that album was sick. <laughs> Uh, his drumming feels a lot more conventional across the Aussie albums. There's, uh, it, well, of know, course it does. We don't get a lot more of that booger-dagger sort of approach. But yeah, I, I, I couldn't tell you exactly what year it was that that crossover happened, that Rob Trujillo obviously joined Metallica and then... I can. 2003. Okay, thanks. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a video on YouTube of... Um, I think they're in Japan, and because I, I, I checked this out in researching for this episode... And I didn't make note of what year it was, but there's this one performance. It's a full concert. And they opened the show with War Pigs, but Ozzy's state of health at the time, I, I'm sure there's alcoholism involved, but I don't know if he's, how his health was at the same time. I guess he's got a teleprompter there, but Ozzy is so sloppy, and it's just like Jason Newstead, Zach Wilde, and Mike Bordner just holding the whole thing together. Mm. And then you mentioned that there was a pause in 2000 with Ozzy. Mm-hmm. And you know who he was playing with? Corn. Corn. Of course. Corn. Of course, with a K. Substitute for meat. Yes. Corn. <laughs> yeah, there's a uh, there's a uh, bit of footage. Uh, I, I, look, I, I don't know how many shows he did with them. I, I know there was a run of shows. No, he, uh, he played some footage for approximately seven months and nearly a hundred dates, covering for David Sil- Silveria. There you go. Had an injury, wrist yeah, injury. Yeah, very. Yeah, and uh, the, there's a Pink Pop show on YouTube. You get a bit of, you get a few shots of Mike Borden through that. The Rock M Ring set list I actually prefer. You get to see um, all of Got the Life mm-hmm. and um, oh, what's it called? Make Me Bad. I always like that song. And Somebody, Someone. There's a there's, I, the thing is, I after Faith No More broke up, I got pretty into that new metal thing and did enjoy a bit of corn and uh it's pretty sick <laughs> it's... i know i know it's actually pretty he does that a lot that shit it's pretty he? funny yeah it's pretty funny to see I don't mind mike corn. borden playing that stuff uh, look looking back on it, it's just kind of now it's just this shameless indulgent you know shitty music but yeah. So but, on the uh, download, um, they were on before Faith No More. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the crowd went nuts for corn. And then when Faith No More walked on in their pastel suits to um, Reunited, I don't think uh, the crowd particularly got that. 
In fact, yeah, I right. think I heard some guy shout, Who the fuck is this? Bring back corn! Where's corn gone? Give me corn! I want corn back! How's this? Corn. The thing is about corn is that they were just a bit derivative. You know, like, you know, they they played heavy and they sort of took, you know, even the heaviness of Faith No More. And yeah, I mean, Mike Borden played for the person that inspired him to be a musician when mm-hmm. he did Ozzy Osbourne's band. Mm-hmm. And in this case, Mike Borden is playing for Korn, who were inspired to become musicians because of Faith No More. So, yeah. what goes around? What comes around goes around. It's like he's moving through generations, you know. Mm-hmm. He, goes, he mm-hmm. goes back a generation, forward a generation, you know. The man, he, you know, he's travelling time. It's wild. Wild. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I actually, I enjoyed watching a bit of that. Anyway, it was fun. The uh, the other feature, and I, I said earlier we were talking about uh, um, Jerry Cantrell's degradation trip. Yeah. I, I That's one I need to go and listen to because I'm a huge Alice in Chains fan. I'm a bit of a uh, Jerry Cantrell fan, uh, but I'd, I'd love to hear Borden playing with him, and that's just one bit of my, uh, you know, just over the years music that I missed and a bit of my research that I didn't get on top of. So Yeah, 2002 album, also including Robert T again mm-hmm, mm-hmm, on the bass. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. So brings those two friends back together. Mm-hmm. Around the similar time, January 21st, 2001, Borden was on the American version of the TV show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which we mentioned earlier. He misses the 32,000 question and only one's a grand. And his friend in the audience was Robert T with his wife. Yay. So I've rattled on quite a bit with lots and lots of facts in this episode, but I want to know how intently you've actually been listening, Mr. Hayes. (laughs) Don't test me. And welcome to How Closely Did Mike Two Laptops Hayes Listen to Jim's Mike Borden Facts During This Episode Prizes to be won <laughs> Today we have podcast croissant co-presenter Mike Two Laptops Hayes on the show He's supported by the award-winning main presenter Jim Brown in the audience <laughs> Fuck off <laughs> Jim is sponsored Yay. by Patreon So am I <laughs> Mike isn't. And we're about to find out just how closely Mike was listening to his award-winning co-host, main presenter, Jim Brown, during this bi-monthly episode all about Mike Borden of Faith No More. Yay! Good day, Mike. You feeling confident? Well, yes, I've been listening quite intently. Mike, have you ever been in a high-stakes TV quiz before? No. Have you ever seen a grown man naked? Uh... Good. Right. You'll hear the question and four possible answers. Please choose one of those answers, please. And let's play. So, question one. The prize on offer here is a copy of Easy Like Sunday Morning Single on a Compact Dick. Who's the teacher who taught Mike Borden, not you, Mike Hayes, African percussion? Was it A. C.K. Francesco? B. C.K. Ladzepko? C, J.K. at Tesco, or D, J.K. Rowling. Pick C. I'm quite confident with B. Lock it in. Yeah. B, C.K. Latzepko. 
Yes. You sure about that? I am. What aftershave is that? You smell really nice. Thank you. Well played, Mike. Now you've just scored yourself a copy of Easy Like Sunday Morning on Compact Dick with that right answer. Yay. Yay. Now tell us a bit about yourself, Mike Two Laptops Hayes. You're in a band called Ape BC, right? Yeah, we uh, we recently spent some time in the studio and great stuff, together. Mike. Great stuff. So, Mike, have you ever been in a Turkish prison? <laughs> Four answers on the screen for you to choose this next question. You could win a second-hand medium angel Dutch T-shirt from an unverified seller on eBay. It might be fake, but you'll like it. 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 Question number two is as follows. Answers coming on the screen for you right now. What was the name of Mike Borden's first band? Was it A. Fly by Night, B. Fry by Light, C. Fry by Night? Or D, flying lights. I'd like extra bonus points for me for not fucking that one up. <laughs> oh, okay. So this one, this is the this is a tricky one because Snow. the band did originally uh, intend to call themselves Fly by Night, like the saying. However, I do know that it was misinterpreted uh, to fry by night. So I'm going to lock in C. Thanks, Regis. You know, you could go for a 50-50. And if you don't mind, that's grand, Regis. No, no, okay. no you're I'm locking good. in with yep. Fry by night. C. C. Fry by yep. night. That's C for the Crips and not the Bloods for all you gangbangers out there. And well done, like you special little boy. Mm-hmm. Oh, you've got that one right too. I could sit you on my lap and ask you stuff all day. You were actually listening to, to my ranting. Well done. Of course, of course, always. And your next question is the question number three, like a threesome. It's for a mildly scratched vinyl copy of Epic by Faith No More that only repeats the line, you want it all, but you can't have it. Oh, wait, my bad. That's the whole song anyway. Whatever. (laughs) Here comes the question and some tense music, but not by Faith No More. Question is as follows. What size bass drum did Puffy say he briefly tried? Is it A, 26, B, 22, C, 24, or D, 38 inches, if you're asking? Uh, I'm confident to say that it was uh, 26 that Puffy briefly tried. Final answer? Yes. You, you don't want to call, call Jim in on this at all? I mean, give Jim no, a quick I, I, call. I don't you, even you don't trust Jim to help me. You don't want to maybe 50-50 this with Jim and Mr. No. John, just cut it in half and get two out the way? No, we'll go with A26. Well, you didn't read the question, because his name's not Puffy. It's Mike Borden. <laughs> ah! Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Hayes crashes out of the quiz like a plane on fire falling off a cloud. Boy, he smelled good though, didn't he? My kind of man, he smelled of strawberries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you, you take it from our drummer, Puff. Being good, it gets you stuff. Thank you, and fuck off. Uh, and look, the the one I know we've got two more things that Mike Borden's featured on. I don't know if you've got more Primus. beyond this. Oh yeah, Primus. I, why did I didn't write down Primus? Primus. He provided guest vocals on songs from the album Frizzle Fry in 1990 uh-huh. and Sailing the che- Seas of Cheese in 1991. There's a rumor that Les Claypool reciprocated that favour by helping with the backing vocals on Epic. 
However, Bill Gould and Matt Wallace don't remember that. Uh, I believe that the song Mr. Crinkle is actually about Mike Borden. Oh, that's a fun little tidbit. Fact. FNM stroke prime as fact! FNM prime as fact! The song Mr. Crinkle is about Mike Borden. Really? Yes. I don't know. I don't know where I've heard that, but it's true. Hang on a minute. There must be some song. Oh, hang on a minute. Come on. Is that? We can't say it if it's not true. No, it definitely isn't. What are the lyrics to it? F and M stroke Mr. Primus. F and M stroke Primus. <laughs> yeah, uh, the song Mr. Crinkle by Primus is actually about Mike Borden. Really? Yeah. There's. The thing about Mike is that he has a very interesting perspective. You're not going to do a voice for Liz Claypool? The thing about Mike is that he's one of these guys like my wife. He's a very interesting perspective on things. He's really good at tossing out these colourful little quips on how to perceive things. So we would have these great conversations on the phone. That's what Mr. Crinkle's all about. Is that better? She knew what she wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. I'll, uh, anyway, the line... Seems the rumours about your team might move away. Refers to the San Francisco Giants, who were considering a move to Tampa. Mike Borden, a huge Giants fan, was not happy about it. And I've got that from Song Facts from Greg um, Prato's page. And then also, he played drums on the song Choked, which was a collaboration with Primus' Tim Alexander. And Tools... Maynard James Keenan. Oh, that was one of my notes. That was in 1997. Yeah, from the Flying Traps compilation album. Flying Traps stereo drums, drum-centric compilation assembled by Red Cross drummer Brian Ratzel, released on the 23rd of September 1997, with, as you said, Tim Alexander and Maynard... Maynard. (laughs) Maynard. Maynard, who is credited... In the booklet as Gaylord C. Doing that voice has given me proper heart palpitations. <sighs> it, actually, I'm going to play a little sample of that track. Okay. It's a very experimental thing. It goes in sort of all sorts of directions. It's worth checking out. But the uh, the early parts of it have this real sort of new metal vibe to it. Mm. It's 1997, so it's sort of before new metal, mm. you would say. Okay, the last Mike Borden recording (laughs) that I want to talk (laughs) about in our dissection of Mike is the album by... Oh, yeah, that one. It's not in my notes, but I knew about it. Oh, where is it? I've got it. Actually, I had a bit of a listen to this. It was good. Angelo Moore, (laughs) the singer out of... um, The singer out of Fishbone and the brand new step, the band was called and the album was called Sacrifice in 2013 and I didn't know anything about this I'll be honest it was my friend Adriano Mazeo that told me about this yeah yeah he plays uh, two two tracks on this album which is the album's called Sacrifice plays on the opening track Endless Possibilities and a song called Everyone Now Everyone Will Know cool little production on that doesn't sound like Mike Borden I would say you wouldn't pick it no. very uh, compressed drums yeah yeah I checked it out super squished alright let's move on to 2015 the great thing about I like about Sol Invictus is all the photos I've got of recording it Mike Borden's playing in his bare feet yeah 
And he does it on the BBC sessions as well. I think we discussed it on our episode. Is that just something he does that we haven't noticed? Because I'm sure I've seen him normally He usually wears Converse, Converse. yeah, yeah, yeah. And on stage he wears Converse. Maybe that's just a studio thing. Hmm. Mike Bordin, little greyer, but still whacks the shit out of those drums in his 50s. Yeah, it's 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 a... Again, it's another sort of more diverse album. For me, something like Separation Anxiety still packs all the punch of, you know, any of the stronger songs from earlier in their career. Uh, Cone of Shame would be a favourite for me, especially when it goes to the heavier part. Some weird time signatures in uh, Matador and some really weird sort of beats uh, in the sort of closing section Mm -hmm. before the Let the Dead Live. You know, and you know, still some really thunderous toms. But then you get Black Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, more sort of unusual songs yeah, as well. Yeah, and that was unusual for the for Faith No More as a whole. Mm. I love that he brings back the bugger daggers for separation anxiety. Yeah, a bit of that in uh, Superhero. Yes, as well. yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, Superhero. But it's phenomenal to see, particularly from the rhythm section of Faith No More, that in their fifties, in 2015, 30 years after they were doing the We Care A Lot tours uh, and just, you know, becoming a band that can still make so much fantastic noise and lock in so perfectly together, Bill and Mike, and they can still kick the shit out of their instruments on stage. I hope when I'm 50, I've still got that much energy. Me too. Because I already feel like in my early 40s. Yeah, I can't. It's, I mean, uh, we've uh, been recording yeah. this for like nearly three hours now. I just feel like I'm fucking... Exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, like I feel as though, you know, a lot of the points were made for the earlier albums and especially the the first three albums and then talking about all the first two albums with the straight Booker Dagger approach. Mm. The, uh, the real thing you know, took a more conventional approach than there was... You know, more exploration for the following albums. And then Sol Invictus, you know, just I feel like it expands upon all of that. Not having as much to say about it doesn't speak any less for the the quality of the drumming on there. It's just that anything I could say about it has already been said, Mm -hmm. you know, in his approach to the drums. Um, Yeah, I've got a nice quote here from Rhythm Magazine in 2015 from Mike. He says, I feel kind of bad sometimes. I've been talking about drums for 30 years now, and yeah, my setup's the same. The only thing that I've changed over the years was using a 26 kick drum for a while. I stopped doing that, went back to 24. To 26? Yeah. I tried to learn and evolve and try to keep playing them good, like I like, and that's enough of a challenge for me. So yeah, he's played the same setup all these years. We've got the Sol Invictus episode to do, so I think we'll dive deeper into the songs and into Mike's part in Sol Invictus during those episodes. Don't you agree? Yeah, and I, th- I think part of my deeper insight into that album uh, hasn't happened yet because we haven't done that exploration on that album. And, you know, being a, a singer and guitarist, it's not the thing that I naturally look for. I think I said this at the beginning of the episode that, you know, like I've heard so much Faith No More and then I go into you know, we, we go to prepare for an episode and then we've got this new thing to look at. And it just gives me this whole new insight mm. and another thing to appreciate about them because drums is probably the thing that for me personally has been the most overlooked. And then, you know, and I've appreciated it about Faith No More forever, but just never really sort of, I don't know, just haven't delved into it so much. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's been it's been an absolute joy 
to re-experience Faith No More through a drum lens, I will I say. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to mention before we close up was um, that there's a film out there called The Baseball Furies, um, which stars Mike Patton and Mike Borden discussing their love. Was that released? Is it not? I don't think it got released. I, I, I know I watched the trailer. Yeah, I was yeah, really yeah, yeah. excited for it. I love my baseball, but I don't think it's done. I don't oh, think it's right, out. Yeah. Steve Albini's on there. I think it is Jason Newstead even a part of it. Maybe. Sorry, not Jason. Um, James Heffield. I'm looking at a, a, an big. interview I did with a director here in 2019, and I confess yeah, I have not I actually that. seen the film. So I just assumed it were out, and I've not actually got around to watching it. Yeah, I don't think it's been done. I wrote to them uh, about 18 months ago because I wanted to watch it, mm. and uh, and I, I reached out to them. I said, "When's this coming out?" And I, I didn't hear anything back. Right? Um, Maybe I should reach out then. Whatever. There we reason. go. Housekeeping. Yeah, I did. yeah. I'm going to get this film reason, released, I don't motherfuckers. Think it's been done. I know patterns. Oh, and um, uh, Buzz Osborne's in it. I'm just I'm just looking at the webpage too. Right. Apparently, Mike Bording talks about his collection of baseball cards and his love of the San Francisco Giants, which he shares with Mike Patton. Yep. Mike Borden is yeah, big sports fan. He also likes his hockey. And I think you remember in 2015, Canadian ice hockey pro Dan Boyle joined Faith Them as a roadie, uh, which I would have thought Mike Borden oh, was chuffed right. a bit yeah. smell. Yeah, so Mike Borden has done a lot of things more recently. He's actually really active at the moment, but I'm going to save that stuff for Faith Them More News, new music oh. section. So I don't want to wonder if I know what you're about to... Oh, okay. But in 2021... He recorded with the band Kings of Quarantine. Mm-hmm. They recorded a version of Public Enemies. She watched Channel Zero in aid of Rody relief. If you don't know about Kings of Quarantine, they're a band set up by Slaves on Dope members. Jason Rockman, friend of the show. Hi, Jason. Love to have you on the show. And Kevin Jardin. I would too. Hi, Jason. Yeah, we want Jason on the show. Jason on the show. Jason on the show. <laughs> Mike Bowden played on that song. The band covered... We Care A Lot, which grabbed Faith The More's attention. I think Bill Gould appeared at the end of that video, but then Bill and Mike both perform on this cover. And, yeah, Mike's been up to loads of stuff recently. Um, new stuff coming out very soon, which I will discuss with you guys when we record the next bit of our podcast. When we get to Faith No More News. Stroke new music. Stroke which is what soundtrack I think we're, what are we, weekly we, soundtrack. I think, look, is that it? Yeah, is that's that the, it. Is that the show topic yeah, complete? we've actually spoken for, let me just check the time on this. We've spoken for nearly three hours about Mike Borden. You might not get to hear that entire three hours, but we've spoken for nearly three hours on Michael, Andrew, Puffy, in inverted commas, doesn't like being called that, Borden, Grandpa, what was the other one? Puffster. <laughs> Hey y'all, Sue Denham here, drinking wine, feeling fun, and wishing for some party time. Here's some Mike Borden facts. Mike Borden is left-footed and plays cross-legged. This helps him time his high hat against the kick, which is some complex drummer shit that only people dropped on their heads understand. Who wrote this? Since 1995, Puff has been good, but is still waiting to get his stuff. Mike Borden really does like being called Puffy. To make sure it continued, he told the band he doesn't like it. That is one clever man. 
Mike Borden doesn't have hair. Those are snakes. He's a male Medusa. He ties the snakes down for interviews and performances, and the reason he doesn't attend parties is to visit restaurants after hours while his head snakes catch scavenger mice. Okay, last fact. He knows where my cats went, but he won't divulge the information until people stop saying his wife looks like Frank Zappa. However, Christine Gibbs sent me a recording of some asshole reading emails way too fast with perfect cadence and pronunciation even after a bit. And yes, I've got the finger quotes going right now. This giant turd stole my poor kitty's name. He is calling himself Mr. John. Now, if anyone sees my cats... They will be answering retroactively to the name of Puffy. Sue Denim, out. Attack! Now it's time for Jim's Soundtrack of the Week. It's time for Jim's Soundtrack of the Week. It's time for Jim's Soundtrack of the Week. For the week, for the week, week, week. It's time for Jim's Soundtrack of the Week. Yes, it's right. It's time for the time of the week. Yeah. Right, so going back to um, the intro of this episode, I'm sticking on uh, being good, being cool. Uh, I'm going with the uh, soundtrack to Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves movie, released in 1991. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm good, eh? I'm, this is why I get paid all this money and win all these awards. <laughs> and it's by Michael Kamen. There's a couple of great instrumental pieces, uh, orchestral pieces. One is the actual main theme which is great. And then the other one is kind of like an orchestral version of Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian Adams, which is pretty cool as well. Go listen to Robin Hood Prince Thieves soundtrack. Can't say I've listened to anything more than just Everything I Do. Ironically, you've got me thinking about Braveheart again, and that was a fantastic soundtrack. It is, but that's not the soundtrack of the week. <laughs> it's not the monthly soundtrack of the week. That's the... No. <laughs> that's, that, we'll save that for another monthly soundtrack of the week. Bi-monthly soundtrack of the week for another week. Or month. Or episode. Whatever we do. Well... In keeping with the theme of uh, the recent events uh, that have occurred, mm-hmm. uh, with you know, with our royal family, <laughs> what do you call people who have a fetish for royalty? I really thought you weren't going down the necrophiliac route. <laughs> I thought that's what you were going. Oh go Jesus, down. fucking hell, dude! <laughs> but no, no, I don't know, mate. Enlighten me. What you call people who have a fetish for royalty? Kinky. <sighs> That Kinky. can't be real. That's just a, a badumch. Is that a badumch? <laughs> it is it? Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think we should um, put monthly footage of the week to bed now. I think I think it's run its course. I think you should oh, come up with something it's new. It's just going to get episode. more and more. I mean, that, that. I mean, I'm more than happy for that to be how that went out. Well, we've got the section, the new section. Um, you won't believe what Trace Bruins said to Right Said Fred. Maybe we could expand on that next next month. I mean, anything that you can write to Trey, where Trey can write back and say, I, I mentioned right, said Fred. Feel free to read this exactly as it is or not yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> right, new music. New music. I don't like the new music jingle. Oh, I hate the new music jingle. It was, oh. I hate the new music jingle and I hate the um, FM News jingle. I like your bit, your FM News, that bit, but I don't like the yeah. um, new music jingle. I've always, I've, I've always wanted to get, you know, when you, when a band, when a band just does like a, you know, it's sort of similar to the, 
mm. the way Faith No More close out. Um, Why don't you caffeine. get Fake No More to record it? Perhaps I could. Mm. It's just it's more just the uh, the recording setup to actually execute it properly. But well, seeing as though we've not got any um, email or listeners in jingles to write, maybe you could um, do a few new jingles for our sections for next next episode. I did have an idea for the new music jingle that uh, what was that song with the oh god. The, the, this the momentum is about to go. Uh, what was the name of the, the, the song? The girl she sings with a vocoder and she sings, and then there's all this stacked vocoder stuff around her. Is it Imogen Heap? Was that who did it? I recognise the name, but I don't know. Where are we? What the hell? Mm, I wanted to do something like that. Anyway, we'll see. Okay. That was exciting. Hang on. So, have we done new music? Have you got some new music? I have. Have you? Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to mention one first, and I know you're going to expand on this. Oh, uh, right. Red Hot okay. Chili Peppers have released a new single. Called Tip of My Tongue. Yeah. Uh, and I actually quite like it. Oh, <laughs> really? I've, I've put up the... Uh, the fight for Chili Peppers for years because I was hanging on to Stadium Arcadium and John Frusciante and everything. But man, it's getting a bit stale. I mean, how old's oh. Kedis? He's doing this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds pretty much exactly like something from the 90s, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, Frusciante remains one of my favourite guitarists and I do love a bit of... I, I am seeing Chili Peppers in February. I am going. Oh, good, good for you. Uh, yeah, I'm the, 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 that last album that came out makes me less excited for this new one that was sort of surprised. So that's my first one. My second one is first new music in four years from John Carter, uh, How to Construct a Time Machine. It's, it's mm-hmm. awesome. Very cinematic. Bursting with life. Uh, when I first heard it, it made me walk around my room really fast. Right. So okay. I've written that as a note. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and I don't know why I've written that when I heard it, it made me walk around my room really fast but it must have done but I have to say Bacteria Cult is one of my very favourite pattern albums I did I didn't know about that one so it's good huh check it out yep okay I will uh, I will mention first that the uh, the Mars Volta have just released a new album mm. just just dropped just dropped at the end of last week and uh I've only heard half of it, and I am very pleased. I loved, I love, love, loved the first album. Kind of dug the second album, and then they just started to lose me. And then this okay. one's kind of got me back on board. I, I really, I'm, I'm digging it. It's a little bit more mellow to previous stuff, but it's. Yeah. Uh, it's I've never really um strong deep dived into uh, Mars Volta. Heard a couple of songs. That's about it. Well, the fir- the, the the first album was released just after at the drive-in disbanded. Mm. And it was around about, off the top of my head, it was 2001, probably probably 2002. And, you know, it was like following Faith No More had broken up, you know, Bungle had done California, and, you know, I was always searching for something quirky, and um, that sort of filled a void for me, because it sat right. right in that sort of interesting... Filled your void. Unusual, yeah. It's always nice when something fills your void. Oh, yeah. What else you got, if you got so many? Uh... New Dead Cross song, Heart Reformer. Oh yeah, it's all right. Yep, yep. I'm 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 more into this. What I'm hearing of this album, I'm more into it than the first album. Sounding more cohesive, which is what I keep talking about with that 
first album didn't sound cohesive. This one sounds more cohesive and a little bit more of uh, Justin Pearson doing some screaming, which I actually really like. It's nice to have Patton back. It's nice that he's, uh, you know, there's some publicity photos out there, a couple of interviews. I do quite like the first Dead Cross album, but I was hoping for something a little more out there. Yeah, but we'll enough. see. I mean, the album's yet to come in it, so the album might satisfy me. New song from The Underdogs, the Australian dog puppets that did that um, We Bark A Lot song that you included in the last episode. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, they've released a new one called Sitting In Feces, which is a parody of Falling To Pieces. Back and forth, I patrol my fence. Cats are not welcome, I'm the last defence. Right through my paws, back into the dirt. Keeping the yard safe, I don't call this work. What 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 is the underdog? You're Australian, yeah. Yeah. And are you an animal lover? Do you like dogs? And are you interested in the mystic art of puppetry? But what's their story? Like, are they sitting in feces? Is a little bit. <laughs> it's, it's not children. for kids. I don't believe it's for kids. Okay, it's a bit of fun. I forgot to mention that the uh, Afghan Wigs just released a new album too. I'm oh, a good. bit of a fan of Greg Dello, but uh, Mark Lanigan actually features on one of the tracks that was recorded before his passing. So nice to hear. One again on something. Cool. Posthumous. I'm done with new music, but I've got a few other things. Same. I've got one yeah. more thing. I've got... Uh, so there was a, uh, an interview on YouTube with Christ Novelsek and Kim Thale and Jack Endino. Most people say Chris Novoselic, but... What did I say? Novoselic. I don't know what you said. Christ Novos... Salish. Yeah, I, yeah, the bassist that Nirvana, that guy. Uh, yeah, so it's called In the Room with Nirvana and Soundgarden, I think. And it's basically those three chaps sat around uh, being interviewed. Is that, is that with Rick Beato? Yes, it is. Yes, yes. I couldn't remember his name. Uh, and they mention in there about Faith No More. I mean, maybe you could play a little sound clip of, of that. They mention that Faith No More pretty much paved the way for their music, which is something that Chris Novoselic has said before. The big... Hard rock bands yeah. were kind of coming out of that 80s, you know, metal thing. And, and we liked the guys in, in Guns N' Roses a lot. I mean, Duff's from Seattle. Mm-hmm. We played a lot of punk rock bands here. And, and they're, they're, just, they're just great to us. Um, but the bands that we might have associated with, you know, the more alternative things, there weren't a lot of them that were, you know... That, they were, it that was, was bigger that we could open for. Like maybe we could tour with Metallica. Or didn't didn't you do a tour with Voivod and Prong? Yes, that was. A I great wish I'd tour. seen that tour. It was Voivod and Faith No More. That was it was that was trippy. That sounds like a great Faith, tour. Faith yeah. No More opened the doors for Nirvana. It was Jane's Addiction they us too. and Jane's Faith, Addiction, no Faith No More because they were like this new kind of music, new kind of was. weird alternative yeah. music that that was unlike eighties metal. That kind was of happening. funk alternative metal, right? Exactly. We're, we, so our first, the first shows we played opening for a band outside of Seattle was Faith No More. I mean, they're, I mean, they are probably like they're like big brothers to us in the way they helped us. We we played we played in Portland with them, I think, and Central Washington University. We opened for them. And that was that was a really important gig because at that gig, the first time we'd ever been to Ellensburg, we're opening for Faith No More. We meet Screaming Trees. We meet Screaming Trees. They come to the gig to see us. We meet Steve Fisk, who lived in Ellensburg, and the producer. We met Eric Johnson. I think we were told Gunny was a student at uh, 
at, at Central Washington. He's now the tour manager for Metallica, but he ended up being our first tour manager. And we meet Damon Stewart, who becomes this huge DJ, you know, at KISW or at, uh, in, in Seattle. And he's the voice at the beginning of uh, Searching My Good Eye Clothes. You know, do you hear a cow? That's Damon, who's a DJ at the time. So we met them all at this small college gig opening up for Faith No More. And those guys kind of took us under their wings. So, and then the final thing I want to mention, I've seen, I've seen a couple of films, seen a couple of, I quite like the new House of Dragon series. That's pretty good. Cobra Kai's back on. That's good. Always, always good. For That's a bit of fun. Oh, I'm going to watch. Yep. My girlfriend's away at the moment, so I'm living my best batch life. So do it. I'm putting Watch on. Them. I'm putting on Cobra Kai, and but I did want to mention the um, gig in uh, memory of Taylor Hawkins. I watched a lot of it, not all of it, but I watched a lot of it, and there were a couple of bits that were really cool. But the one bit I did want to mention is the bit where Taylor Hawkins' son gets up and plays Everlong. Yeah, that's that was amazing. awesome. Uh, my hero, wasn't it? Uh, sorry, yeah, my hero. Yeah, I got Shredder's Revenge on my Nintendo oh, Switch. Cool. It's fucking awesome. Like to the point that I had to go out because we only had two controllers for our Switch, so I had to go out and buy two more controllers <laughs> so that so that four. And you can actually have up to six players, which is chaotic. But um, yeah, it's it's so so good. Like they've revamped the original, so like the graphics have like that throwback look, but it's modern enough mm. that it feels like now. Uh, and since sort of playing it a little bit, I've then been online to watch a little bit of gameplay tricks, you know, just a few little things, better mm. moves and stuff, how to play the, execute the game a bit better. And, um, it's getting really good, really good rap. And it's just, cool. like I said, it, it blew my mind when Patton was doing the, uh, the, the song. So to turn that game on and, uh, hear my, you know, play the game of my first childhood heroes and then hear the, my, later teen hero singing the song mm. is really special it's fucking cool and it's it's such a good game i'm gonna get it's it so much fun i'm definitely gonna get it i'll say i'll get it for my son but i'll i'll get it for me yeah i mean i'm not a big gamer i don't play a lot of games i've you know i've i've probably played about six hours to eight hours of it because i just don't make time to play video games but that six to eight hours <laughs> have, have a son oh it's a good time it. have a son go out Party. go away next episode come back with a son Okay, and then cool. that can be that can I'll, be your house. I can Okay. <laughs> I have a kid now. Yeah. <laughs> uh right, F and M news. Yeah, okay. Yeah, just, just oh, do yeah. the thing. I'm not going to tap in other squawking or I'll just do this. F number news Yeah. That was the best one yet. Really? Let's make it um very much Mike Boarding, seeing as though it's the Mike Boarding episode. Alright. So first bit of news. Mike played drums on the dub war track. Get back up. Uh, Dub mm-hmm. War, if you don't know them, they're a band from Wales. Their singer, Benji, after Dub War uh, Dissolved, went on to be in Skindred. It's a great track. It's it's really like got that 90s um, alternative rock feel to it. And it's just great to see Mike up on a kit playing. Uh, the second bit of Mike Boarding news is that he's recorded with ex-Ozzy Osbourne guitarist Joe Holmes who was with Ozzy around the same time as Boarding, and they've recorded a song called Deadfall, which you can see a bit few clips of on YouTube. It's not actually been released yet. I'm not sure when it is released, actually. Mm. But I did ask Mike Boarding if he'd played on any more songs on the upcoming album, uh, and he was a bit cagey about that. So maybe he has, maybe he hasn't. Mm. Yeah, so that there's nice bit of Boarding news there for Faith No More News. Mm-hmm. Bit of Pattern news. Yeah, Mike Patton did an interview. Again, he mentions a new project which is keeping quite close to his chest. We don't know a lot about that. At times, it is comforting 
and gives me a certain resolution. Like, this is who you are, swallow it. Other times, I feel slightly disjointed, like a grandpa falling down the stairs. We are, both are welcome, and I accept them lovingly, but it's day by day. So Mike Patton there talking about, about fame. And then Scott Anthrax. Scott Anthrax. Ian. Scott Anthrax. Ian. Ian. <laughs> Ian. That Ian guy from Anthrax. He said <laughs> in an interview that he'd, he'd once asked Patton to sing for Anthrax, but Patton turned it down, which was interesting to know. How many, how many, how many people do you think approached him following Faith No More breaking up in 98? Oh, m- it must have been a lot. Like, it must have been in a excess lot. Of that. It, I mean, didn't even, even what's it? Yeah. And then what's his face just uh, in Fear Factory said they're about to announce their new singer and, uh, also said that his first pick would be Patton. Yeah, I think right said Fred would have benefited from a bit of Patton in there. You won't believe definitely who and Mike Patton yeah. sang for. Um, yeah. <laughs> Last bit of Faith Among News, we move on to Bill Gould. Bill and Jared Bum, a.k.a. Talking Book, have recorded a soundtrack to a film called Eclipse. I think we've mentioned it before. I think we mentioned it last episode. I think it's been in Faith No More News. However, then Bill was on the red carpet at the Sarajevo Film Festival. And so, yeah, that, you can see yeah. footage of that online, you know. Bill on a red carpet. Oh, everybody else is in like tuxes, and Bill comes with his combats and a t shirt on, which is um, very Bill Gould. And also, Bill was made a temporary mayor, the mayor of rock for a Serbian city. Oh. Um, the city of Zadjikar. Zadjikar? Zadjikar. Zadjizar. Zadjizar. Zadjikar. I won't be able to correct you on that one. I don't know. He was handed the keys to the city. And Bill said about his new appointment that he was going to introduce some new strict rules, making sure everyone wears underwear over their clothes or they go to jail. (laughs) Oh, very funny. (laughs) Oh, that Bill. Bill. (laughs) Our booger daddy. Stop it. He also did a was appeared on a podcast in Serbia as well called Age Last. So check that out uh, on YouTube. And also one last tiny bit of news. So the quarantine band that uh, Bill joined called Dirty O'Keefe. They released a song called Brick or Bullet during the um, lockdown. The band also features Christian Matuki Mutushi Matushi from Stone Sour. Ladwagon's Dave Ron and Steve Shepard from Trash and Privilege. Yeah, they're, they're they're releasing an album, and it's been. Did you say Ladwagon? Lag? No, Lagwagon. Lag. Uh, they're releasing an album. There's been a few tasters of it, um, sneak previews on Instagram, and I believe it's out in October. So keep your eye out for that. Uh, oh, and that's cool. it. That's all the Faith No More news I I got. It was it was nice to have some news in there, especially. Yep, there was, yeah, there's quite a lot. Yeah, it was. I, that, I, I must admit that's the most news we've had in a, in yeah, a while. Good, and it were nice to be uh, have that big portion on my boarding, seeing as though we've just done a, a, a boarding episode. Hey, um, I I think amongst your faith, no more news there. Bungle are proceeding with their uh, South America. That's not faith, no more news. That's Bungle news. You can't you can't bring but that out. But it's still pattern related. They're still the, the the shows are going ahead, and they've announced two more. Am I right? So there's four shows in total. Yeah, all in uh, Chile. Yeah, well, that's good. That's great, isn't it? The pattern's back. Yep. I mean, I prefer it to be with Faith No More. I prefer that gig that that tour to be reinstated. But let's just hope that Patton does these bungle gigs, finds his feet, feels confident and comfortable back on stage with his mates, and thinks right next year. Let's let's push forward with Faith No More. And we get the Faith the Mar tour in 2023. Yep. Maybe 2024. I'll, t- I'll take, yep. Next year, half the band will be in the 60s. And it's the right time to just 
get back on the horse and do some faith no more. Mm. The, the faith no more. Well, that get back on the so. faith no more. It's yep. It was, that was all right. Nah. Well, look, we are at the end of our episode, and this is usually where it sort of peters off into some silly rambling. And so, if if mm. I can um, break, uh, you know, break format even further, because you said we can't mm. talk about Bungle in Faith No More news, I would, I would, anyone in the Instagram world, go, um, go get, go, go get on your Instagrams and search a uh, umlaut. Umlaut Bear McKinnon, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, yeah. Make sure you're following him because uh, he's he looks to have been in the studio lately. Um, he also he tags uh, he tags this singer of Sex on Toast a bit. He's got a unusual handle. It's P I R I N G I something. Um, yeah, but follow Umlaut because he's been jamming in the studio with uh, the Bungle drummer Danny Heifetz. They're working on it. Right. Whatever they're up to, they're doing something. They're they're posting it. So it's there's something there's something coming. I think it's all out with. I wonder if it involves creepy Rodrigo. Creepy Rodrigo, because he sometimes uh, jams with the ex Bungle guys that live in Australia. Well, yeah, he jammed. He jammed with Danny, and they did. They did release something. It was very unusual. Very well, unusual. I wouldn't expect anything less from creepy little Rodrigo. The, the creepy Rodrigo, man. Yeah, I, I, even when he sent it to me, I said, man, I just, I've never been able to dive into this super, like it's right in that John Zorn sort of territory, even more Rod again, more Rod. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So, yeah, so that's our Mike Boarding episode. All right. Hope you enjoyed it, kids. Yeah. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the new format. Forced on us by Mike to make us more accessible to non-Faith No More fans. Look, it's just going to get succincter. We're changing our name. Next episode, it's called The Four Mike Show, presented by Mike, Michael Winslow, making lots of funny noises. But I will still claim the royalties from it and be rich. (laughs) Be rich, I tell you. (laughs) Well, with that, I'm going to... What are we doing next episode? We have had a discussion. I really enjoyed... The Angel Dust series. We did what what was it like? Fifteen episodes yeah. dedicated just to Angel Dust, each song. And then we did uh, B sides, we did Songs to Make Love to, and then we did the live. Yeah. And I haven't had the chance to talk about the real thing on this podcast yet. Because yeah. I yeah. know you spoke about it way, way back, like three yeah. years ago when Adrian yeah. was your co host. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to dissect that album in great detail. What do, what do you think to that? Well, I've got two thoughts. You you said maybe we break it up like we did for King for a Day and do it as like a four-part sort of thing, like sides of the no, vinyl. No, or no, or no, you want to do that. track by track? No, track okay. by track. Well, I would, I would be up for doing it track by track and let's, um, let's try and get it, you know, to tighten it up, get it tighter, get it, you know, get these episodes, get it, get it down to like an hour and a half or something and give it, make it more palatable. <sighs> you know, all the information's in there. It's just I keep my waffle pants, you know, at another house, far, okay. far away, right. okay. and we just we just crack on. Just so that would that would mean fact. we start with from out of nowhere. Yep. So we can do that. So right. So we make a hang on. Should we make a pact that we're doing from out of nowhere next? Oh, does it have to be? Ne- I've got one one more idea though. It could be that, but, but we can do that very soon. Uh, the other idea is that I really want to do. That a pattern episode that's focusing on <sighs> pattern moments outside the main projects. Like all those little 
golden oddities, like those unusual tracks or live moments that he's had um, that we can talk through. All right. Well, yeah, we'll do that next episode. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. All right. So anyone listening, write us an email with just, you know, one or two just nice and succinct because we're going to have a lot to get through, I'm sure. But just like unusual, you know, we're not talking about Phantomus or Tomahawk. So, you know, it might be, there might be a, a moment of those, but you know, like the Mr. Bungle's a main one. But I, like, I want to, I want to go into the really unusual, you know, you mentioned Carter before. I feel like Carter mm. falls into the more obscure sort of realm. Like, even, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, uh, the, the, the peeping Tom thing when he did Desperate Situation as a cover, which was really cool live. Mm-hmm. Like, some of those little moments that, you know, some people wouldn't be aware of, things that we can dig up. Yeah. That'd be okay, a fun one. let's do that then. And um, oh, feel free to email the audio or email a link for me to help me if you do write in because um, I feel like there's going to be a lot of gathering of media to make that episode work. Okay. Yeah. All right. Can I say, can I say my quip to – normally it's you, but I was just going to say that I'm going to – I'm grabbing my skateboard – and I'm bored and out of here. <laughs> Take it from Adge from a puff. Being good, it gets you stuff.